was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars scats. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels Wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lima bean. I wish that I could spread my wings. Yeah. I wish that I had seven limbs. Yeah. That way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it. <laughs> wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. Yeah. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock. <laughs> Focused on myself. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like. I wish, I wish that every time we love it, it feels just like this. I Wish, wish, and every time we do it, it Hello, feels cats like and kittens, and welcome to another episode of The Debrief. I'm Brianna Joy Gray, and it has been a week. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> uh, today, I'm really uh, happy to talk about what I thought was a really fascinating story. I met Brittany Gibson when she uh, came on the hill, and I knew I wanted to have a follow-up conversation with her because the parallels between this story that she wrote in Politico... And she did a really great job. It was really deeply researched. I'm such a, such a, I mean, this is so patronizing for me to say, maybe as an older, old, relatively older person, but like such a joy to see a young, talented journalist like her um, coming up. <clears throat> but she reported the story on Stacey Abrams raising $25 million for this foundation uh, that ostensibly, well, was, I shouldn't say ostensibly, went toward uh, getting to the root of accusations of voter suppression in the state of Georgia. And what she found was that $9.4 million had been spent on this one law firm, which maybe is not that big a deal, except for that she talked to other lawyers in the field and discovered that the kinds of cases they were litigating typically cost way, way, way less money. Um, way, you know, a fraction of a million dollars, not anywhere near $9 million. And moreover, the founder of that, um, Law firm was her campaign manager and close friend from when she was in school, which has raised some eyebrows for some folks. On top of which, just recently, uh, the remaining claims that were pending were decided not in favor of Stacey Abrams' organization. Um, they, were, they found no instances of voter fraud, which you take with a grain of salt, obviously. It's not like the court system is suddenly not suspicious or we think that every outcome is meritorious. But most of the claims were, were thrown out at the summary judgment stage anyway. And so, you know, on top of everything else, on top of it seeming like a mismanagement of money, the cases weren't ultimately successful. And so many people are looking at this and comparing it 
in some ways, although I think it's less of a full-on grift because the money was used for a specific purpose, but comparing it to what happened with uh, Black Lives Matter and them, that organization raising, what was it, $90 million over the course of the summer of 2020, uh, $60 million of it, which is still in a pot somewhere. Uh, it's, a, it's a rudderless ship. No one's really uh, in charge. There's no one leading the organization. It's just sitting there in a pot. And $30 million of it is gone unaccounted for, largely. Of course, we saw the scandals with the Hype House in California that was purchased with BLM money, ostensibly for BLM purposes. But even the stated purposes, which is like filming TikToks to promote racial justice or whatever, is not exactly why I think so many people uh, gave to the cause during that summer. I see the people in the chat uh, totally getting what I was alluding to with respect to it being a, a busy week. Uh, as a consequence of Monday's episode, uh, there was some there was some uh, flack that I received. Uh, in typical fashion, when 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 people uh, people's objections aren't exactly um, organic, it didn't happen Monday when the episode was released. Uh, it started later in the day on Tuesday once the bat signal went out to a group that is called NAFO. Now, if you're like me, you had never heard of NAFO before. You were living in blissful ignorance. You didn't know what a NAFO was. But let me let me just give you a little bit of uh, of context. Um, it's a troll army that apparently is mobilized whenever you say anything. I wouldn't even say negative about Ukraine. I didn't. Say, I don't think it was negative. The episode it was just asking questions about what the U.S. role should be. This is from an article from RT from October fifteenth of this year. Um, Pro-Ukrainian NAFO troll chief outed as a Nazi. Uh, so the Polish Twitter user behind the NAFO phenomenon locked his account. Blah blah blah. Let me just go to the part where it describes uh, what NAFO actually is. Um, it, it was a. It's a group started by a Polish gamer. Grown into an internet-wide phenomenon, um, counting U.S. Congressman Adam Kinzinger, Ukrainian Defense Minister Alinsky Rezanov, and a host of Western analysts, spies, and other members of intelligence, uh, the intelligence community among the fellas. Uh, and they, they, their job is to mobilize when people, they feel like people aren't sufficiently supportive of contributing money to the Ukrainian uh, war effort. Um, so I'm happy to get into that, talk about it a little bit. I talked about it all my Radar on Wednesday. Um, but as always, uh, the floor is yours. So, Pedro, what's on your mind? Uh, uh, good evening, Brianna. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, uh, I wanted to talk about those nasty trolls on, on Twitter. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I want to discuss that. But first, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember. I just would like to say that I met you the other day while you were walking the dog. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, hey. Do you remember? I do remember. Uh, oh. Yeah, near uh, DuPont. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, how are you? Yes, yes, yes. I, I started talking about the socialism and why there is no left in the U.S., so uh, we can leave that to another day. Uh, but uh, regarding the, those nasty people on, on your timeline, I just want to... First, how are you doing? And uh, I mean, those people are really sick. I mean, really nasty. Uh, so, yeah, basically that's what, what I wanted to say. I actually follow you on Twitter and uh, one person just said... Uh, you are you, Brianna. You are terrible. I'm pretty sure 
your, your political ambitions you might have had this week. It sounds a bit like a... a do you, did you see that movie Mean Girls? Where... <laughs> I did. There are, there are a lot of mean girls out and about uh, today for sure, in the last, last few days for sure. Yes, yes. So, so, so that, that's basically what I, I wanted to say about the, the. It was in regard to that person that you talked to. I, I believe is a pol policy advisor of Bernie Sanders. Uh, I mean, he also tweeted that uh, people should not go up, go up on your show, which is a bit weird from a kind of politician to say that. I, I would say. Oh, you mean uh, Joe Serencioni? Yes. Yes. Uh, So, and because you don't, you, you actually, you, you, you are in the right, I mean, I agree with you and with Aaron, with Aaron Mati, basically explained the situation very well. So I think it's just a bit, uh, yeah, these people are just weird. I don't know if they are just bad, badly informed or I don't know what's wrong with them. So... Yeah, it did seem like that at certain points, right? I, I just recorded today a follow-up episode. Um, well, I won't spoil it, but with some folks that you'll be interested in hearing from. Um, and I was asking them what they made of the fact that uh, Joe seemed to not be aware of some simple things like that there was there's been a civil war in Ukraine. Do you remember when I brought it up? He said, civil war? He said, well, I don't think that that bit's really especially controversial. And, you know, I, I wondered what the guest on this upcoming episode thought, did they think he was kind of just genuinely unaware of kind of basic, the basic historical trajectory of the country, or if it's kind of a feigned ignorance, which seems difficult to believe. I, I can't tell which is worse, literally not knowing and being in that kind of position of expertise or knowing and kind of pretending not to know because it's an inconvenient fact in terms of the way that the, the conflict has been framed. Yes, that, that's very right. I mean, the, the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian-Russian conflict has been going on since the, the late 1920s, and of course, World War World War Two, where the Nazis invaded Ukraine, and uh, some Ukraine Ukrainians were sympathetic to the Germans initially. So it's been going on for a long time, and more recently, it's true that uh, it was Ukraine that started killing ethnic Russians. So it's kind of weird. In 2014, it's kind of weird that uh, that uh, that person didn't know that. So, but uh, here we are. So, yeah, yeah. Well, look, it was so nice to to meet you the other day. Um, yes, likewise. Hope we can meet again and maybe chat a little more. Yeah, like uh, maybe 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 we will meet again. I know I had my dog with me that day. I was going to the bank. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank okay. thank you for calling in, Pedro. Have a good evening. You Bye. too. Keep the faith, Nicholas. What's on your mind? Uh, can you unmute yourself, Nicholas? I'm going to give it a beat because we all know how this app is. There you go, Nicholas. Yeah. There you go. What's on your mind? Oh, shit. Um, hey, so, you know, I, I was going to ask you what you thought about Stacey Abrams. Because I listened to your, yeah. I listened to the conversation today and I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. What, what about it? No, like, what, what do you, what do you think of her as a political figure? Oh, more broadly. No. Uh, that's an interesting question. 
So as a politician, I actually think that she is smarter, more able to communicate, um, more savvy in the things that she says than the most. And I honestly do think she could have been a, a real star, a real contender. Unlike Pete Buttigieg, whose appeal I never fully understood, who seemed much more immediately kind of villainous. Uh, Stacey Abrams has this, these aspects of her personality where, I don't know if you remember this, but back in the day when she was first running uh, mm. for governor, there was this photo that was a controversial a controversy for her showing her, I believe, in law school burning an American flag at some leftist right. protest rally. Like She used to have this kind of like edge, this like lefty edge in history that went back before she ever tried to go into politics. And then it seemed like after 2018, maybe she was always this way. But it seems like after she lost the governor's race the first time that there was this, you know, the Democratic Party basically chose her. And yeah. it seemed like she got Bloomberg, um, which is what I'm going to start calling it when these mayors, usually black mayors, go through Bloomberg's like mayoral program. I think they all get a million dollars for going through the program. And it basically is like being a this mob where you play by the rules, you get some money. You, you you defend Bloomberg no matter what he's been accused of, as Stacey Abrams said in this like really embarrassing moment. You you stand up on TV and say you don't believe Tara Reid. Like you do all of that stuff, and then you get ordained as like a hashtag real Democrat, but you lose all your power. So whereas back in her 2018 run, and I wrote about this for the Intercept in one of my first articles when I when I started working there, um, she was being described by the media as this identity politics candidate in her primary against this other woman, uh, Stacey Evans. And it really struck me because when you watch their TV ads, when you watch their debate, when you listen to the things that they said in their stump speech, Stacey Abrams was a great communicator. She talked about economic issues, foregrounded them in a way that was wasn't alienating to white rural Georgia voters. She had a very inclusive message. She also talked about race and racism, but in a way that it was inclusive and non-blaming, really big tent style. And she, remember, she did what, she came close to doing what was thought to be undoable, Impossible. precisely because yeah. she had a message that was, was broader and more inclusive. Stacey Evans, on the other hand, ran this, she was a white woman, ran a completely identity politics campaign that was all about her being growing up in a trailer and being working class. And I, I, this isn't a critique, but it just struck me. It's really odd that Stacey Abrams, who never was really talking about race like that or her identity was being pegged as the identity politics candidate and Evans, who was yeah. nonstop talking about her identity and also was doing weird, cringy things. Like she had an ad where her face blended into Martin Luther King's face in an ad, like it like faded from her into Martin Luther King. Like she transmogrified into Martin Luther King, you know, like she was doing all of this stuff. And, and no one, and, and like really heavily coding and like signaling the black voters, and no one was calling her an identity politics candidate. So back then, like identity politics candidate meant you're black. <laughs> That's it. Right. And so I remember feeling a little defensive of her, and respect. Like I respected her, what seemed to be like a really almost Bernie style messaging that was very savvy. But after the Democratic Party got their hooks into her, I mean, it's. And I'm not saying that she doesn't have agency here. She made her choices. But it, it became very different, you know, and it became 100% about the voting rights issues. 
it became 100% about the vote having been stolen, which is something that's coming back to bite the Democrats in the butt a little bit as they try to land yeah. their punches about um, the big lie. And now that none of the accusations of uh, voter disenfranchisement have kind of p- panned out, and the voting rates in Georgia are historically high, which makes it a difficult, more difficult case, she seems like really unsubstantive, I think, to voters who don't care about that voting as their number one issue, which is most voters. And to the extent yeah. that she had the potential to pro- appeal to progressives, she's thrown all of that overboard by going hard on, like, fund the police more. She's, she seems bad to everyone involved. And so, I don't know. I mostly just feel disappointed. Yeah. Why, why, why is Pete Buttigieg villain us? <laughs> um, I, I will admit to feeling like he's a guy that I know. I went to school with a lot of Pete Buttigieg's, like right down to the McKinsey of it all. And, you know, he strikes me as someone who knows better, who's smart enough to know better. His dad was like a Gramsci, like professor or expert or wrote a book on him or something like that. Like he he knows enough to take lingo, uh, lefty language, and he's smart enough to use it as a shield for his very neoliberal agenda. I find his Obama impression to be both unconvincing <laughs> and a little insulting, especially now that we see Obama on the campaign trail these last couple of days. And it's like, oh, yeah, Obama sucks, but like he was good at his job. And all these people who've been doing these Obama imitations, it's embarrassing, you know? And I think Pete's is one of the worst because it's like, it's like styrofoam Obama. It's like drained of any life source. It, 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 it's cringe. But it's also dangerous. He he scares me the most because he has fooled right. so many people. So many people are My charmed problem. by the idea of having a first gay president, which I understand. But you have to look at him, <laughs> and he sucks. Um, and he's good at it. So that's I guess that's why I feel more afraid of of Buddha Judge. He seems more powerful soothing, right? and less like he has any like true beliefs. I'm sorry. He's a very soothing. I'm sorry. Demeanor. He has a very soothing demeanor. I mean, I guess if you if you go in for that thing, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I will admit that I it's my it's my problem that I am triggered by it because I know that guy, and it, it irritates me because these like everyone's like, oh, he's so smart. Like, like guys, like there's so many stupid people at Harvard. I just I just got to get that off my chest. It, right. It, it, look, he's obviously smart. He's smart. That's not the issue. Yeah. He's not stupid, but he is being smart. Here's what it is. Being smart is not a moral value. Okay. And, and people, when I see Buttigieg and how people talk about him, they conflate his intelligence and his ability with more morals in this way that liberals do, because they think that there's a technical, a technocratic solution to every problem. They look at him like they looked at Obama, like, Oh, he's smart. He was a constitutional law professor. You know, the problem with the world is that George Bush was just too stupid. And if we got someone with a bigger brain in there, they would fix everything. It's like, no, it's not about intelligence. I, I would rather take a, a, a person of average intelligence who actually knows how the world works and who has sympathy for working people because they are one any day of the week. It's not rocket science here. And, and I don't know. How like, could go ahead. Pete Buttigieg know anything about the world? He's like twelve. I mean, he's forty. What he has, <laughs> but I mean, he's been. But I mean, he's been. He's been pitching himself as a as a candidate for like what fifteen years. Yeah. So um, I mean, he worked at McKinsey. He worked at McKinsey. I, I, I mean, 
couldn't have worked there for 10 years. Yeah. She worked there for like three years or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree. I agree. I mean, it's just, look, did you watch the the Buddha judge um, documentary? (laughs) I did not, (laughs) but I I watched him on that, the breakfast club and he seemed like he was, you know, I mean, I, I get what you say about like his brain, his, his sort of technical abilities, his moral, his moral compass, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I sort of get that. But that's kind of what they used to say about Clinton and, and T- Tony Blair. Right? They were just their ability to kind of um, navigate throughout, through ideology was their ideology. And maybe he just, maybe him and Obama, that's kind of what they have. Their brains, not their, their hearts. Their hearts would kind of go anywhere. Yeah, I um, I kind of want to play with clip from the documentary, but so much of it is about the visual. It's like um, watching yeah. um, Curb Your Enth- not, or um, Arrested <laughs> Development, where it's all about like the awkwardness of people standing around and looking at the camera and the stillness of it. So I don't think it'll quite translate. But just trust me when I say, I mean, it's on Amazon. You can watch it, whatever. I'll watch it. Just trust me when I say it's it's one it, it it's one of the most. Let's just say I feel very bad for his husband. <laughs> Like it's just I shouldn't say that. It, okay, so for example, his husband Chaston seems like a very warm, empathetic, regular guy. He's a teacher. Yes. He just like loves and wants to be loved. He probably loves ice cream and cats and puppies. You know, he just seems like a nice, uncomplicated guy. And there's this moment where Wait, Chaston, hold on. I like ice cream. I, I, we all like ice cream. Chaston's great. <laughs> <laughs> so right. at least he comes off as great so in the in the documentary there's this moment where chat they're like eagerly like waiting to see the election results from some state like maybe let's say it's iowa and chastin is like nervously on the end of the sofa or whatever like biting his fingernails and he says to pete oh i noticed that all of the other candidates have their partners out there for their speech yeah and there's like a beat and then pete's like mm-hmm and it's clear that Chastin wants to go out with Pete Buttigieg. And Pete Buttigieg is just like sociopathically not acknowledging this. He's not going to say, no, honey, I'm so sorry. Here's the reason why. He's not going to say, of course, you should come out and be by my side. What you, what you, The sense that you get is that Chastin very much wants to be more included and maybe feel some kind of way about Pete's um, – I mean, I, I don't want to speak on somebody. Yeah, I don't want to speak on somebody else's like coming out journey because I, I don't want to project that onto somebody else. But you know, Pete came out later in life, yeah. like I think in his early thirties. Uh, he immediately married uh, Chastin. You know, there's these moments. There's another moment in the in the show where um, someone asks him a question about what it means to be a role model for young LGBTQIA youth. And Pete seems like visibly uncomfortable with it and like not interested in really empathizing. Like I just didn't empathize, but he doesn't want to get into anything personal. He's like, yeah, yeah. sure. I'm happy for them or whatever. And it's very stiff. And afterward, Chaston comes up to him after the interview and he's like, Hey, like I was, you might consider saying something like this. Or like when I was a little kid, I didn't really think that I could be this, that and the other because I was gay and I didn't know. And like, it's clear that like Pete doesn't have any of that. Like he doesn't see himself in that way. He doesn't, like he didn't demonstrate empathy or real compassion for other people. And he doesn't have to, like his story and his journey is his own, but you could see in Chaston, like almost a frustration with him 
or almost like a sadness at the realization that yeah. this guy that he's married to isn't very warm and perhaps even is a little uncomfortable being so publicly out maybe but that's not my place to yeah. say but that's kind of the impression of what you take away from it and the the impression of the whole thing is that like maybe he doesn't want Chaston up on stage with him because he's worried about the political hit that he takes from reminding people that he's married to a man and it, you end up feeling very bad for Chaston I, I'm not going to go scene through scene through this movie but there's like a date night scene that is so cringe. I mean, it's just like free Chaston. There's a reason why people sometimes tweet free Chaston. Right, but I mean, don't you think that like, when I see Pete put aside what, what his personal life is, he just seems like someone who is who would be just generally uncomfortable about things like that. I just, I just, you know, maybe, I, and, and maybe. Because, you know, I used to think this about Obama, that, like, the only thing revolutionary about Obama was how he looked to certain people. Sure. Like, he listens well, to the cure, no, no. right? I, I, I would say Obama, <laughs> Obama did a better job. I think campaign Obama was actually – I don't think that people were stupid. I think that people were misled. Campaign Obama said a lot of really great things. He lied. <laughs> but, 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 but I, like, there was – it wasn't just about his looks. But because of because of his race, I think people just kind of and they, then he got into this whole Jeremiah right um, sort of narrative. They got this idea that he was revolutionary. But if you actually listen to him, he's a pretty dull dude. He likes to read and like he read poetry and whatever. Like I, I think he only listened to Jay Z once he was in politics, and he was like, "All right, well, look, I gotta okay. listen to Jay Z." I don't know about that. Look, he's he no, but you know what I mean. Pot, I he played basketball. What, he had a fedora. <laughs> the fedora is you've sold me on the fedora but i think pete is similarly just like a dull person i think the only thing revolutionary you know conceptually revolutionary about him is maybe what some people may think about his his personal life i think other than that he's as square as a box i watched him on the breakfast club and he's just he's as square as a box yeah, I mean, sure, but my issue with Pete isn't that he's square. I mean, if he were yeah. like, shy and square, but like clearly demonstrated love and affection for Chaston, for instance, in this video, or yeah. wanted to fight for people to have a better life, access, you know, to be able to afford healthcare and, you know, not fight endless wars, then I wouldn't care. But he uses his powers, his substantive powers. He's like a great communicator, and all that is true. He uses those powers for evil. He he takes his wine cave money and he gets on stage and he makes up something called Medicare for all who want it. And he, he deludes people. He, he tricks people. And that's why I think it's more nefarious. Someone like, let's say Amy Klobuchar, her policies are just as bad or worse mm. than Pete Buttigieg's. But like no one's confused about who, who Amy Klobuchar is. Pete has people thinking they're voting for Bernie Sanders and getting Joe Biden. Yeah. But he, I think, could get away with more evil than Joe Biden because <laughs> he's not a klutz. And he could, he could finick finagle some stuff and put a nice little gloss on it we would turn around after two years into into pete and realize we didn't have social security anymore i mean he's a wily creature <laughs> I, i'm exaggerating a little bit i don't know maybe yeah, one day I'll, I'll realize that i was wrong and he's you know going to save the planet from in the middle of the nuclear armageddon that's coming and all of that but right now my my instinct my spidey senses uh, tell me that he's bad that news doesn't... That doesn't do it for you. Yeah, he's not. Uh, but look, thank you for calling in, Nicholas. I don't think you've called in before. Hey, 
I've, I've listened a ton. I've complained about not being able to speak to you. And I finally got to speak to you. This was awesome. Oh, I've, I'm, I'm glad we were able to connect. Keep the faith, my friend. Yeah, man. All right. Chris, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, that last conversation probably might have been the funniest thing ever. Y'all describing <laughs> Pete Buttigieg. I'm not going to lie. Because you're like kind of hitting it on the nail as far as just like how stale and dull the word, like how kind of like uh, an alien that he is kind of like, like, like he's like a pod person. Like he's not like the real thing. Like, yeah, I guess that's to be like the best way to explain it. I mean, yeah. Did you watch the documentary? <laughs> I have not, but I, I remember Crystal did like a little thing about it. And I uh-huh. remember she talked about that awkward moment at the table where they were like at date and it was just mm-hmm. the most cringiest, awkward thing ever. And it was just like, it was so stiff and it was so robotic. It was just mm-hmm. like, ugh. yeah. So, but no, she saved me the time. I, I would never watch a documentary about Pete Buttigieg. Not that I don't, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, nah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, nah. yeah, I, I just, I'm kind of fed up with it when it comes to like the documentaries and everything like that, like. I'm so docked out right now that, yeah, Pete Buttigieg will be the last documentary I think I ever what, watched. What documentaries are you watching, Chris? So Netflix has been really on a tear. Um, I sent this <laughs> I sent this, <laughs> I sent this, uh, picture to my friend group because I remember it was, like, coming out just, like, last week. And it was, like, Netflix documentary, I Am a Stalker. And I'm like, wow, you guys are really just really trying to kill this. Like, who wants to watch a documentary about stalkers? Who cares? Wait, like, was was the person like reformed or was it after they got no, out of it's jail a, it's for stalking? Interview, no, it's an interview with a bunch of people who are in jail for stalking. And the, the, but the title is I Am a Stalker. And I'm like, this is really a documentary. Like, you guys are, yeah, no. You're like, you're just scraping the barrel right now. Like, when it comes to that, like, who wants, I'm sorry, who really wants to watch a documentary about stalkers? That's just creepy. I mean, I gotta say, Chris, you've caught <laughs> my interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think they're interesting? You, you want to see how stalkers work and everything like that? I, I didn't know that I wanted to see how stalkers work, but I'm kind of interested to see how they pulled this off. <laughs> well, it is on Netflix. It just came out. Um, I think they're trying to still cap- capitalize somewhat off the, the Jeffrey Dahmer and mm-hmm. all the uh, craze with that. So I guess that's like, oh, here's this kind of thing. But it's like, I'm a stalker. I'm a killer. I'm a mer- like it's, mm. it's they're just running down the line of documentaries, and I'm like, all right, I think I need to chill on documentaries. Well, I saw on ContraPoints's, uh, I think her IG today, that she's doing all of this research. She po- posted a picture of the book she's reading, and they're all about like murder and sex and uh, you know killing and you know. It seemed to me like I think it was a clue that she's about to do a video on Jeffrey Dahmer and why we're so attracted to those kinds of stories as a society. Which yeah. is, I think that's very smart because I do think it's a weird like why did why is everybody so into serial and all of those like murder dramas especially women are really into those yeah I was gonna ask that and I was gonna ask you that if like are you into that kind of stuff because I never understood the ID channel and things like that like why would I watch a show about a woman who kills her husband as a man well. <laughs> that is I'm sorry just like no that I was like Ew. like no as a, I don't as watch a man. Like I don't know why. Like, I fully understand why <laughs> that particular genre woman who killed her husband. I fully understand what that's appealing to. <laughs> What's the name of it? What What is literally? Um, what is un, the name? Un, of it? Unchecked, um, unhinged, unleashed, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or murder, murder, murderer wives, or what? I don't, I don't know. But yeah. I, I know there's a specific that's dedicated to like women who kill their husbands or yeah. do fucked up things to men that they marry, and it's like, oh my god, this is like sad, but like. 
I don't know. I guess women find that interesting. But it's also kind of crazy now since I'm thinking, like, just talking off the rip. Um, I always found it weird, like, people, like, not necessarily women, because I don't want to put it on, because we all watch it. I watched the, De- the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary and the uh, the the little series they did with mm-hmm. him, and then, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, but I always found it weird that those kind of people get so much attention from women. Like, I remember watching The Night Stalker, and then, like, he was in jail, and he just had women flooding him with nudes and everything. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? Mm-hmm. This guy's a murderer with bad teeth, and his breath stink. <laughs> and it's like, Oh yeah. no, this is turned on. Like, oh no, well, this is great. And then it wasn't like that. It was like that with Jeffrey Dahmer. It was that like that with Ted Bundy. Well, Jeffrey they said, Dahmer wasn't he supposed to be like? No, excuse me, handsome. not Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, no, not Jeff. The Night Stalker. That's what I meant. The Night okay. Stalker. I, I forgot his name, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. It was the Night Stalker. But then yeah, it was like that with Ted Bundy. And it's like yeah, you do realize too. Yeah, right? I don't. Get... He's that's Efron, you. Right? Hold on, hold on. You're the woman on that one. So, did you but find I, Ted Bundy I attractive? Know, I don't know what he really looks like, but I Zach Efron played him in that movie, right? And like the whole the part of the yeah, whole narrative it, is that like it was a lot. Girls thought he was cute and like came to the came to the trial to try to flirt with him or whatever, and that he was very charming. Look up a picture of uh, Ted Bundy and let me know what you think. I just want to see it. Well, I think <laughs> it's for lots of reasons. Ted Bundy isn't going to be my type. Uh, regardless i'm not like i'm sorry but like i'm I'm not the target audience for ted bundy oof no i'm not the target but audience for ted bundy i guess uh so that just is what that is all right he he wasn't like some musty guy who like people didn't were into like women like they these guys were able to do what they were able to do because they were perceived as charming and attractive in their context but but as to why you know women are are into the like shows about murder and mystery more generally, it's because you want to kill you, your partner. No, those are why the ones about killing your partner appeal. But the <laughs> ones that are just murder mysteries more generally, I, I, I that's not. A, I think it's a kind of escapism. I think mm. it's interesting because women are not associated with like, you know, we don't necessarily like. Uh, we're well, at least we're not stereotypically interested in action movies okay. or movies where there's like fictionalized killing and stuff like that. And I gotta say. When action scenes happen, I fully tune out and just wait till the end of it because we all know what happens. What? Like, I don't care about a high speed car chase. I don't care about a shootout. Just fast forward. Who's alive at the end of it? And let's just get the plot going. Like, I do not care. In fact, I was just watching this dumb animated Pixar cartoon called The Bad Guys. Have you seen this? I have not seen it. A shark and a snake. Really? And a tarantula voiced by Aquafina. And they're like doing a heist. to watch stupid shit to turn my mind off it's been a long day anyway i was watching i was watching the bad guys by ate dinner tonight and even in a cartoon movie there was like a fight scene where they like break out of jail and i was like and i checked emails until it was over (laughs) so so even the women like aren't into like bang bang you know this is obviously gross generalizations and being incredibly Mm -hmm. reductive yeah yeah they do seem to be really into the murder mystery and i think it has to do about like human the human drama of it all Mm-hmm. like the the serial the mystery of it all like the puzzle solving of it all the sherlock holmes detective work of it all the how do you get away with it i don't know someone should well maybe contrapoints is doing this <laughs> to do a, an <laughs> investigation of why it is in fact so appealing i bet she's gonna come up with some good answers yeah all right uh i agree and uh i did have a question before we went in our little whole ramble and everything like mm-hmm. that I, I wanted to say um it's more about like uh stacy abrams and like the georgia race and everything like that mm-hmm. like well, one i think like with stacy 
I feel as though she like if I could compare her to anyone, I feel as though like she's kind of like um she's the Hillary Clinton right now of the new of the left. As in it's supposed to be preordained for her. She loses and she's probably gonna lose twice. She's and she's gonna go out when, when then well, at least her first time, she went out with like like, no, I'm not accepting this. And I think you kind of spoke on it, the idea like you know, Democrats are trying to hit Republicans with the idea that they deny elections, but you literally just have clips and clips and clips of Stacey just not conceding the fact that she lost. And mind you, like, I know, obviously, you can't compare everything. So you can't compare the Donald Trump loss to Stacey Abrams loss, because there's way more in the details to suggest one way or the other. Though, but yeah, that's getting hit over the head. And now she's getting raked through the coals, and she's probably more than likely going to lose. And it's like, they're trying to find a way, like like Hillary did, like trying to find an excuse for why she lost. And I've been watching this and um, I'm realizing where it's probably going to go. And it, fortunately, it's going to come down to like them blaming black men. Like I'm already prepared for this next week of all the shit that black men are about to receive for the fact that the numbers won't match like how they needed them to match. And then it's going to go to the same kind of, you know, the, the 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 same gender war that it always goes down to is black men don't support us. Black men really hate black women. If Warnock win, it's going to even be, make it worse because it's like, why did you support a black man but you won't mm-hmm. support black women? And it's just coming down to all that reductive bullshit Twitter shit that it, that is going to come down to. And it's and it's, and unfortunately, it's really sad because it's like no one hears what black men are saying. It's not that they think Brian Kemp is the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're just have been neglected and no one's like literally listening to them. And and unfortunately, when you say that, and when, especially in the Twitter spaces where I've been watching and seeing it, the first thing is always this, well, well Brian Kemp's going to do that. Brian Kemp's trying to take your vote yeah. away. And I remember I had to, I was going back and forth um, with, with a guy and he was like explaining that like Brian Kemp is actively trying to take your rights away. But I'm like, they're already projecting that this is probably about to be the most people that have voted in the midterm in, in Atlanta already. Mm-hmm. So you can understand how that is very hollow towards someone who wants something of substance. And yep. it's like, they, they, he ended up blocking me because I said that. Cause he actually saw that I was a fan of you. So uh, he was <laughs> like, uh, oh, you listen to three. So clearly I can't have this conversation. And then how uh, it happens. I'm used to it. Now. I'm, I'm starting to get used to it now. Oh, so, no. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. But no, I'm no, ruining no. reputation. Don't I, I'm a Twitter nobody, so I only have like. Well, actually, I had more followers though, but I got blocked out of my account, and because I couldn't remember my um, my uh, my uh, email to my first time I created Twitter, I was just like I couldn't get it back, so I had oh, to start no. you. That's yeah. that's tragic. When <laughs> yeah. I lost my Jezebel uh, Discus account, mm-hmm. I was let me tell you before I joined Twitter, I was prolific. In the Jezebel <laughs> comment section, I was a real terrorist. <laughs> oh, you was a terrorist. I was, I was like, I was, I was snatching wigs and taking names. Like I couldn't be stopped in the Jezebel comment section anonymously. And then I left that job. It was I was logged into my work computer at my first law firm. And mm-hmm. when I left the law firm, I left, I left the login. And that, my friends, is when I started using Twitter. <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right. Um, yeah. what do you think of all that, though? As far as like, I guess what I say, as far as like the the, the blaming of black men, the un, the unfortunate that Stacey is like the new uh, Hillary Clinton and all that. Well, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. She's the new Hillary Clinton insofar as the Democratic Party, generally speaking, doesn't take responsibility for why it loses. Yeah. So 
I think there's some important like temperamental and substantive differences between the two of them. Yeah. I don't know that I would I would t- even tag Stacey Abrams with all of the baggage that comes with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. However, um, yeah, you can see them ramping up to blaming. They're going to blame progressives. They're going to blame defund the police, and they're going to blame black black men. And we know that it's because they've already started doing it. I, I put this in my radar from last week, the one that um, went a little bit uh, viral is an overstatement, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was a clip of, I think, was it Chuck Todd talking about how progressives were really bringing down the ticket? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do this all the time. Mm-hmm. They, they do this every single, every single time, no matter what progressives say or do, which is why, you know what, I'm not saying that if Stacey Abrams had kind of like leaned progressive and stood by her defund statements and been the woman that I first met in 2018, she would have won. But if she's going to lose anyway, I'd sure as hell like to see her try. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Like, I agree. And then it's like, this this weird thing also where, like, they're doing the same thing to, like, what they did to Ice Cube, they're doing to Killer Mike. And, like, mm-hmm. it's so crazy to me because out of anybody who's, like, commenting and everything, especially talking down on him, it's like, he's the one who has the most respect, but more importantly, the most kind of, like, kind of cult- cultural key cliche in Atlanta to speak but because he's not telling people to vote the way they want to vote it's not that he's telling people not to vote or to vote for Brian Kemp he's just saying go vote but because he's not sucking excuse me all right let me hold on I'm, I'm a little buzz I was a little buzz so I was about to go there I'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna do that this time a little buzz look it's th- it, 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 it's Thursday I had a drink it's stressful week everything like that I had a there. I was about to go there but I'm not but because he's not I guess kissing the ring of the Democratic Party uh-huh. as I say and everything it's like they're killing him and they're giving him the same and it's like it's just so weird and I guess this is kind of why I kind of hate liberals I I, I do mm-hmm. and I hate white liberals well, excuse me excuse me let me let me rephrase that let me rephrase that let me rephrase that let me rephrase that I do not mean that guys especially Ukrainian dog Twitter that is listening right now who is going to clip this and say see this is why Bree is shit she got she's talking to Ray. let me rephrase that let me rephrase that I hate overly um overly just do too much liberals and you can you can you can just tag them in and everything it was that was just a slippage of words i'm still laughing at ukrainian dog twitter (laughs) it is it's ukrainian dog twitter (laughs) all it is is ukrainian and i know they're listening right now because they've been following boy they've been trying to get you out of here but ukrainian dog twitter i know they're about to clip this um hopefully they don't connect me i think i have the same picture in my twitter or somewhat so they're probably gonna be on my ass next so but um yeah Sorry, sorry, my bad. <laughs> Let me stop talking. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, you gave me a good laugh. I don't even know. I don't even know if you asked me a question or not. But I, oh, shit. I, I think I did. I think I was, yeah, I guess it was something about Killer Mike and everything. oh, Killer Mike and them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's bullshit. When they they do to all of the like, it happened to Killer Mike. It happened to Chance the, the rapper. It happened to um, Ice Cube. Yeah. Like, there was an earlier time before Kanye went completely off right. the rails where right. he was tipping he was more in the zone of we don't have to vote for democrats before he tipped all the way into we're going to vote for donald trump and someone kind of mm. snatched him up at that juncture and said yeah, yeah yeah yeah, go left be independent do bernie sanders maybe that's yeah. naive. He's, you know that wasn't going to make his mental health crisis go away but i yeah. might have made it manifest in a bit more of a constructive manner than what we're living through right now um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's every time a black person sticks their head up and says like a little bit of something. Well, hey, we should do something one. for this vote. Exactly. Or, hey, we sh- they should come to us and tell us what we're going to do because what happens is 
when when um when particularly like black uh black figures, not necessarily the uh, prof- uh professional uh what what's the term that RBN uses for uh, professional managerial class? Yes, yes, that one. Yeah, professional managerial class. When they're not talking, and then particularly black figures go off the script of. Democrats are awesome. This is why you have to vote for them and Republican bad. And then they say things like, well, what what are the Democrats offering to get this kind of percentage of our vote? And maybe we shouldn't just give our vote that easily towards without getting something. What then happens is it's like it gets put on us. Oh, well, it's your fault. You, this is one of the, the, the t- most tired narratives I'm ever hearing right now is that black people don't follow up and black people don't care about politics enough to actually push people to where it is. I'm like, that is like the biggest lie that is on Twitter right now. There's so many black people in the street. There's so many black people like that were activists and everything that are trying to push and change things. The problem is you guys don't offer anything. And then the people who do fall for it, who do fall for the, well, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do that. When it comes time to hold you accountable, the next thing you know, you, you blame the voters. Like Democrats literally blame their voters for why they suck. Yep. I see a comment. I saw a comment earlier today, actually on the, um, the video, the YouTube video for this episode that said something like, uh, by the way, Democrats, I'm sorry, black people want to vote. There's just no one to vote for. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's right. And I think that, you know, what's so, what's especially disappointing about the backlash that people like Killer might get is that so much of it is from this section of the black community, the Roland Martins and stuff and the Angela Rise kind of lock arms yes. and attack these people as somehow mm-hmm. anti-black um, even yeah. when Joe Biden, like, I really, I'm not over it. Maybe I'm supposed to be over it. No, I'm, I'm not, not over, over it. The president of the United States of America said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And all these black people still went and voted for He would have had to be on both knees in that Kente cloth. Kente cloth. Oh my God. <laughs> Ripping up the crime bill, legalizing marijuana with a giant, that- a giant thing keys going around letting every single person out of jail oh my <laughs> exactly there me? is no way there's no way he got to walk from he, he got to walk away from that scott clean yep scott he literally walked away from that scott clean knowing you wouldn't give that kind of privilege to any anybody else yep anybody else like oh my god and then the people caping for that oh they were just so nasty and disgusting and weak and pathetic oh oh well well uh he he didn't say nothing wrong the fuck are you talking about (laughs) of course he said something wrong don't wait no no person can ever say i don't i don't i don't give a fuck if it's candace owens i never feel comfortable with a white person questioning another black person's blackness yep and he, he I'm does sorry. it all the time. He treats black people so abysmally. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Again, I cannot believe that the the leaked uh, that leaked Zoom call with all the black civil rights leaders mm-hmm. wasn't a bigger deal too, because you know, there were individual stories, individual words, individual things that he said in there that were like cringe and dumb. But the overall tone, to be honest, of him exactly. cutting people off, cutting people down. He told somebody at some point, like, I've been doing this longer than you. you. I know more about this stuff than you do. Yeah, with Strom, with, uh, uh, Strom Thurmond. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Come I know on. About more, more about segregation than you because I was best friends with America's top segregationists. Exactly. Come on. Hey, come on. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Well, I'm going to stop talking because I'm a little, yeah, I might let some more <laughs> stuff off. So I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks but, for calling in, Chris. You gave me a good chuckle. Yeah, no problem. All right. Keep the faith. All right. Hey, Jam. Long time no chat. How have you been? 
What's going on, Bray? The Twitter gangster. What's going on? <laughs> you out here collecting all these liberal tears. I love it. <laughs> Some liberal tears, Ukrainian dog tears. I don't know. I don't know. Guys, this this stuff is wild. I've been through a few of these now, so like I'm fairly unfazed. But this one uh, is something special. They've I mean, been on you. They've been on you. I'm like, yo, they on my girl pretty heavy. <laughs> I'm like, they, these niggas out here fooling on Bree. They are organized. <laughs> saying you, you a warmonger. You don't I'm care a, about kids and shit. Yeah. No, I'm like, I'm a genocide denier. When they do the next Nuremberg <laughs> trials, my name won't be forgotten. <laughs> like, like, don't go on the show. It's a bad. Don't go on the show. Like, you a lefty. Like, the lefties? <laughs> right. Well, I don't think these Ukrainian dogs are lefties. They, they, have the, they have ambassadors coming out. It was the former ambassador from Austria to Ukraine called me a reptile. They, <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> they, I'm a, sub, sub, what I, a subhuman wench or something like that. Like they, they told me, they told me this is one of my favorite ones was I'm racist against blonde hair, blue eyed Ukrainians. There was one that says, well, how dare you think that all Ukrainians are blonde haired and blue eyed. I'm like, they're just coming out with wild, <laughs> wild stuff. Someone said I look like a Ninja Turtle, which I couldn't be mad at because I do be looking like a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> I think I look more like a, someone told me I look like a Simpsons character once and I was like, oh, that one's accurate. I think it's more Simpsons <laughs> than Ninja Turtle, but regardless, I mean, some of them, they got jokes. I can't even be mad. Like they, somebody, they somebody photoshopped they, they had me photoshopped as genocide Barbie and they had kind of like a cute little Photoshop what? situation thing. I was like, take the, the genocide part off of it. And it's kind of a cute little, cute little Photoshop. Oh, they've been getting creative out here in these streets. <laughs> like, like I, I rarely go on Twitter. Like I normally go on Twitter just like to check like certain news and like certain shows, like seeing when you posting for when you're gonna do the debrief. If when I got time to get on, I'm like, yo, like, like it's, it's going, it's getting kind of rough out here. Like ain't nobody had this much smoke for Joe Biden when he was calling out niggas saying niggas don't know how to take care of their kids. You ain't, bang. you know, we had no had that much smoke for him, but. You come on, you know, say like maybe we should do peace. Then you know, it's, 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 it's some drama. You know, maybe we should, you know, be funding a proxy war. You know, but well, but, so like, the guy, this this group, this NAFO group, was literally apparently founded by an actual Nazi. And this isn't just one of those. Oh, like I don't like them, so I'm uh, calling them a Nazi deals. This is someone who was like, I think a Holocaust denier, and like you know they didn't kill mm -hmm. enough Jews, kind of a person. Like he's like a full blown big oh, anti semite. Uh -huh. And this is like an organized group. Apparently, it only started a few months ago. Um, Alexander Rubenstein over at the Gray Zone has been doing a series. I think the third part of the series came out just today. But it stands for North Atlantic Fellas Organization. And the fellas target any journalist or prominent figure critical of Ukraine or NATO on Twitter. Um, it, it was conceived several months ago it earned gushing praise from the washington post which hailed it for quote showing what? that the tables could be turned on russia when it came to trolling the arms industry funded <laughs> washington dc based center for oh, strategic and international studies meanwhile hosted an online panel highlighting nafo as an instrumental weapon in the U in the russia ukraine info wars man liberals do it to themselves <laughs> like they, they really do it to themselves. Well, I was gonna say you've been doing, you've been out here doing the Lord's work, and I'm glad, so glad that you've been haven't dropped off the question that like keep posing it to people, and people still have not been answering it. 
saying like because i remember we spoke about it like the first time the first time um like when the war for, like first started and everything saying, and like, what is the reason yeah, like well, the reason, like, um, my like, why is Ukraine the, the 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 um the place we should be getting involved in, mm -hmm. and not not Yemen? Like we're like we're doing we're doing like the opposite in Yemen. You like, know, like we're funding the aggressors in Yemen. Mm -hmm. You know, we're funding the aggressors in like Israel and everything. So like, what what's the rationale? You know, like for going for being in Ukraine, everybody you know, like two brain cells know is like it's a it's a strategic thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we just want to fuck over uh like Russian idea of uh, communism, mm -hmm. but like they they really want everybody that's really believing in this like moral reason to do it, like can't can't come up with like with a clear rationale of why here and not anywhere else. You know, uh, and and the dude that you were on with. The mm -hmm. dude you was on with, kind of, he kind of did little little whistle blowing. He was kind of two little little whistles, trying to say we can't let Europe borders get changed. Like, mm -hmm. so all right, so the white folks, so that's what it is. Just say it then, <laughs> you know. Like we don't we don't care about all these wars going on in Africa and beating these bombings, you know, going on like in Kenya and everything. You know, every, the Middle East oh, going through area all this all this drama, but what's happening in Europe is a problem, <laughs> you know. Like he kind, he kind of let that slip a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad I, people. I was trying to do it really softly, like I wasn't trying to cast mm -hmm. aspersions. But and, and look, I don't think that you know, I'm not. I don't have any interest in in you know tarring someone as a capital R racist or anything like that. But I do think that we all have to be honest as a community. Internalized, you know, racism happens to people of color too. Like it, it, mm -hmm. we have to be honest about like, how it feels different. As a community, mm -hmm. to see people in crisis that seem closer to home, seem familiar, who wear the same kind of clothes and have backpacks and the same haircut, listen to the same CDs, mm -hmm. and are white. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. like, if you can't acknowledge that, like, if you have, like, 16 journalists caught on air saying, gosh, how tragic is it that these blonde-haired, blue-eyed people are getting bombed? If you can't just mm -hmm. acknowledge that that's a sentiment that runs through our society, you know, mm -hmm. we're not going to make, like, we can't have a real conversation. And I can't believe these people. He like dude getting so upset that we, about what he said. Like you go, like you just, you just showing the people what he said. He getting upset about that. Uh, like like bro, like you like stick by what you said. It's your words. It's your words. Like it's, it's been like this week has been crazy. I just want to do the uh, call in say give you support saying like you you out here doing the Lord's work. You collecting all these liberal tears, and I'm loving it. Like you deaf, you deaf been on, you deaf been, uh, you deaf been on my mind this week. I I appreciate that. I you know I'm I'm used to it at a certain point, but this this was a another level. I got this a tip my hat to whoever's organized this uh, online spot spam effort. The NAFO people we need to study what they do because boy oh boy are they thorough. And my apologies to today's guest Brittany Gibson and everyone else who I've tweeted or retweeted, who consequently because I retweeted them now has a string of pictures of cruelly uh, posted dead Ukrainian bodies because that people seem to think that posting chilling, horrible images of dead people makes me look bad instead of making them look exactly. bad. Exactly. Exactly. Like, the irony is definitely lost on these people. Yeah, but I, I, didn't, I didn't have too much of a take today. Like, so I just wanted to like, hop over here and let you know that the people still love you out here. I know it's been, been rough. Thank you, Jen. That's so sweet of you to say. I appreciate you calling in. Keep the faith, my friend. Always. All right, Eric Gray, cousin Eric's in the house. How you doing? 
Cousin Eric? Oh, hey. Hey, what's on your mind this evening? Um, oh, boy, where do we start with this? Um, whether it's, I, I saw that whole thing on Twitter with those U- Ukraine trolls, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, it's just another day on the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah, and another thing, there just needs to be a giant call out of every house Negro on planet Earth. How do Cons- you mean? Conservative or liberal, I don't give a damn. Like, because this clown shit, whether it's Stacey Abrams' clown shit, Herschel Walker's clown shit, like, it, it's just getting annoying, bro. Like, it, this, this shit is just, it, it's, to me, it's just really annoying. It's just, we got better shit to do than to worry about these assholes. Um, is this a critique of, uh, as, Robbie, as Robbie puts it, on rising uh, the candidate quality issue? Hell no. Because this is a people are trash issue. This is... And also with the whole Joe Biden, with the whole Joe Biden shit with the civil rights leaders, um, that's just a testament of just like our elders just being weak as fuck, um, and being so afraid, so afraid of Trump that you're willing to just like say, yeah, let let Biden say what he's gonna say. Uh, what? Yeah. So, I mean, specifically, I mean, tell me, tell me how you're feeling about you're, you're in Florida. Yeah. You know, you've called and talked about what's going on in your state, but how, how, tell me about how you're feeling about this, the Herschel Walker situation. It's a, it's a, he's a clown, man. Like it's, it's just, it's not just that. It's just the fact that It's basically the same thing how I feel about both, like, these, both, like, black, especially black conservatives. It's like, you you motherfuckers are straight up, like, cooning all the way. Like, fuck y'all. Um, buck dancing for all, these, for all these, like, people that don't care about you anyway. They're just using you as a token. I'm going to say something controversial. Are you ready, Cousin Eric? Go ahead. So there's an interview coming up that is with a black conservative. And I just love it today. Hmm? Lovely. <laughs> and you know, one of the why things you, that one of the things why I are said you, to him. Oh, never mind, go ahead. I'll ask later. One of the things I said to him when we started the conversation was that I I actually no matter how I feel inside or what I say privately to my friends, I prefer personally, and this is not an indictment of what other people choose to do. But I prefer personally not to refer to folks as Uncle Toms or Coons or <clears throat> use statements that suggest that they don't have any agency because as black leftists, those kinds of charges get made all the time. And to me, it's kind of like the grifter stuff with the TYT and Jimmy Dore and stuff. It's one of those kind of unprovable things about what someone's internal motive is. And There's I think an actual not- reason. I think it's not as persuasive as arguing on certain other points, substantively why you disagree with them. And I, I find when I do it, I feel like it, it is almost diminishing my 
credibility in my argument. Um, and I think there's a, there's big differences. I think there's a difference between somebody who like clearly flip flops their political opinions overnight, like Candace Owens, who used to be a liberal and then suddenly wasn't, um, or someone like Herschel Walker, whose behavior suggests that they obviously had different beliefs than the ones that they would impose on everybody else. And someone like Glenn Lowry, let's say, who I very much disagree with politically, but I think comes by his politics authentically and honestly. What do you think? Yeah, but it just goes it goes back to like you're not the issue really is just like your your ultimate belief system is its end goal is to preserve the current system we have. That's my main issue. Yeah, I think you're going to like this episode because this actually came up. Um, <laughs> this idea that I, I feel like, he, you know, he, he was saying that the he feels like there's a, too much emphasis on uh, – that the left doesn't acknowledge enough the progress that black people have made over time. And they, they pretend – Wait a minute. What? That they pretend that the world today is like identical to how it what's, was in in 1950, which it obviously isn't. Time out. Time out. What's he defining as left? I, you know, I have to ask this. The, the broad left, liberals, everybody. And no, fuck I, liberals. Fuck liberals in that. No. Uh, okay, I'm just explaining no. what he said. No, I'm so, just saying. Like, I'm just saying. Like, I, 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 I get that. It's just like when he throws liberals in there, I'm just like, oh, this could be some half-ass shit. Okay. So, you know, and I, and I said, I take the point. I do think that sometimes people, you know, use a kind of hyperbole to really drive home how bad things are still. And I think that things are bad still. However, it, it can sometimes lose, you can sometimes lose credibility if you pretend that things are identical to the, to the way they were when people were, you know, life was literally segregated. At the same time, People like Steven Pinker like to talk about progress, how much better things are now than how they used to be as a way to derail conversations about how much better they need to be and how we need to change the systems. And so we had an interesting back and forth where I pushed back against the very idea that you just brought up there. And so that's why I think that you might be interested in that episode. But, you know, it's a free country. You don't have to listen to it, my friend. I mean, I'll, I'll support you. I mean, I'll, regardless of the episode, it's not to my liking. I'll bite the bullet. But... But regardless, it's just the fact that when people include liberals in that, I'm just like, he's. You, and you're not going to tell me who it is. It, is it so? Is it one of these guys with a YouTube channel? No, yeah, the episode will be out within a week. Yeah, yeah, you're not. You're not even going to give a hint. I mean, there's ah. so many black conservatives. <laughs> yeah, but I can. I think I can kind of guess. Um, but I, I won't. <laughs> um so anyway it's it just it's it's just the fact that that like like i said like i get tired of all these like tokens popping up and then on top of the fact that dealing with somebody's black black conservatives and black liberals like why am i arguing this with you um we're we're seriously looking at the same thing. You're coming at me with with this bullshit of, like I said, it's ultimately protecting capitalism, and and yeah, that's that's mostly where I'm, where my frustration is at with them. Um, and yeah, and yeah, I know I've 
you got into the whole thing with Stacey Abrams, like, like both these both people, like black folks that enter this shit on either side is just you just end up getting co-opted anyway. So that that's what pisses me off about the whole Ice Cube thing with contract Black America. I'm like, bro, um, there are other options outside of Democrats and Republicans, bro. Yeah, well, look, to that end, people should watch, uh, I mean, you should, uh, you know, watch the whole lineup for all the reasons, but um, Tesla was on today. She's great. There's always good people on the Hill lineup, but Matthew Ho, the Green Party senatorial candidate from North Carolina, was on, and he gave a great interview, and afterward, Robbie was like, oh, I like that guy. I'd vote for that guy. I mean, he's the kind of, he's the kind of candidate that even a libertarian could really love. I think he's got a great campaign ad. He just... Like, I would love to see him run for president on the Green Party ticket. I, I think he's really great. So to that end, I completely agree. People need an off-ramp for when they become disillusioned with one or both parties. And uh, I would like to see us lift him and other people like him up. So thanks for calling in, Cousin Eric. It's always nice to hear from you. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate right. it. Keep the faith. Jonathan, ooh, you've been busy today on Twitter. Wait, did something happen? I, no, what, what's you, this? You, all these you, dog dog emojis. Fight, you've been fighting fighting trolls and slaying dogs like you work at the pound, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's I I haven't had this much fun in years. <laughs> like you and you honestly, like I'm so proud of you. Like you embodied that uh, that uh, meme of like the Elmo with a look of ecstasy on his face and the flames in the background <laughs> with arms That's raised so towards funny. heaven. My best friend has definitely photoshopped side-by-side -side picture of me and Matt Elmo looking identical before. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, and yeah, you know, like that's, but I mean, that's what these people rely on. They're, yeah. they're bullies and like their whole MO, because like I have looked into them and I've talked to people who knew more about them. And, uh, that, that literally is their MO. Like they go on that NAFO Twitter account. There's a compilation of little Twitter lists of people to attack, people to troll, uh, people to silence. You can see in your replies, they're like trying to intimidate you into retracting your statements and apologizing for this, that, and the other. And they certainly weren't prepared for what they received in return. I don't think. It's but, so silly. Uh, like, how can you, like, it's so silly. Of all the times yeah. I've been smeared this year, like this one, you don't even feel like you have to refute because it's so. Come on, it was. A it was so denier? like it was so don't obvious. You silly, silly They were like they were so desperate to grasp at straws. Like some of the things I saw in there, like I kept making references to like Robert J. Lifton's thought reform and the psychology of totalism, and and uh, Leon Festinger's. Um, you know, when prophecy fails, like basically these people check the boxes for what, uh, religious zealots do when confronted with obvious disconfirming evidence. Like they were so desperate to grasp at straws. Oh, she got fired from her law job. No, she didn't. She literally <laughs> left her law job to join the intercept. And Very much so. <laughs> were, like, I mean, if I had lingered, it was everything. Longer, LOL. No, yeah. I, in this idea, they kept snitch tagging and Bernie, like... Like, guys, uh, he's neither my boss nor my dad. Like, <laughs> he has nothing to say about me and my life anymore. It's they were they tried so everything. Clear. 
they want it. They want to fire me. They want to call a manager. I saw a bit of the RBN stream on this stuff yesterday, and I think they they got it completely right. Like, I'm not saying that it's. I mean, I know that they they mobilize against everybody. I'm not saying it's like racial, but there is, I think, idea. I I think this happened with some of the other people I've debated too, where there's this. I think that people are sometimes surprised a little by me. They tend to underestimate me a little bit, and they're very very angry that they can't report me to somebody higher up someone who's in charge of me, someone who's responsible for me. And it gives me great delight to be able to be free and completely independent. And obviously I have you guys to thank for that. Um, so thank you. I, this yeah, is I... a joke to me right now. And I can laugh it off because I have your guys' support and I am not like, I can't be fired. I mean, I could be fired from the Hill, but like, I don't need the Hill to survive. You know, that's, that's a bonus. So I, I just am very appreciative that I can weather these kinds of storms because I don't work for anybody. I promise you it doesn't delight you nearly as much as it delights me. And uh, also, I got to say, like, that guy that called you a ninja turtle, like, he was below the Seymour replies cut off, but, like, he was in the replies, like, he was mortified that you saw that. And he was like, I swear to God, if you if I knew you were going to say that, I never would have talked like that. And, like, I talk like that to everybody, and, like, he was just, like, absolutely, maybe you should, like, tell him it's okay. And you, oh, I'm you sorry. Like, I really wasn't offended. I, I actually thought that was... I mean, I think it's clear. Ninja Turtles are cute. Like, what's the problem? I strongly <laughs> identify with Donatello. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, here's the thing. Because it was so clear cut, like the actual conversation to anybody that listened to even the clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, unfortunately, like Joe, like I said, it, it seemed like at least, you know, the last time and even like during the interview, it seemed like he's a nice guy with good intentions. It was just like a, a little kind of warped. Uh, from his information silo, but like he did not acquit himself well at all. And like anybody who listens to that is going to be like, okay, these are very simple, very direct questions. Like they're, they make a lot of sense. And like, he just did not have good answers. And I think that accounts for why you wound up with like, once they unstuck your, your counter, uh, <laughs> thank you, Elon Musk. Now, if only you can go take over YouTube, um, you know, we might be in business, but yet since your counter got unstuck, like, Hey, 4k new followers in like three days, yeah. uh, people saw it, people liked it. And those guys were generating engagement. They absolutely were. They're yeah. generating engagement to me now. Like I posted a screen cap of a bunch of lists they added me to, like a hit list, people to troll. Really? And like all of these old tweets of mine they went on, like suddenly got boosted to the top, including one that I wanted to I wanted to pay Josh and Dave a compliment because, you know, one of my friends said they, they received an email from the Democratic Party that was signed from uh, from Martin Sheen saying, this is what we tried to embody in the West Wing. <laughs> and they're like, we've, re- we've reached peak self-parody here so i screen capped it and i was like i dedicate this to the prophets josh and dave and they didn't see it and i was so disappointed they didn't like it or anything like that but like they boosted that old tweet and josh saw it and was like posting memes back at him like oh you're very smart okay with that meme that makes a whole lot of sense you really got him there and i'm like finally they saw it and i'm like you guys may want to may want to may want to remove yourself from this conversation because they're going to flood your your mentions with nonsense if you don't. Yeah, I, I, I saw Josh like in the in the Twitter wars as well. You guys you guys are great. I have I kind of was dipping in and out for, you know, sanity reasons. But like I I appreciate you guys 
so much because knowing that you're there and knowing that there's someone, I mean, Jonathan, you do always such a good job of articulating the arguments, like literally what I would have tweeted in response so often that like, it's not your job. I hope you never think that like, it's your responsibility. Like it's a lot and it's not your job, but it does make me no, feel that, nice knowing that you're out there. <laughs> that I don't have to, like, that absolutely. To every tweet. Like I could not be more honored. I could not, like, I could not be more honored by that. And the fact of the matter is like, I remember a few months ago when Josh and Dave had like Blair Erskine on there and she was talking about, getting attacked by the K-Hive. So a fistful of us went into her replies and basically ran off like 50 or 60 of them. Uh, the and it was just like five of us. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's left of them, like they can still mobilize a swarm and terrorize people. And they're much more Oof. savage than these dogs. And yeah. there's just more of the dogs. And that's like, so I went in there and basically afterwards I tagged her. I'm like, next time you have a problem with these people tag a bernie bro one of us can handle 150 of them and you know like we were ronin for a while basically since the the end of the 2020 campaign and uh you know we uh we had no master and especially now that you know bernie's kind of uh, thrown us under the bus in a lot of ways uh but uh you know for better or for worse the best of us now we're brianna bros brianna bros at this point so Look, that, and that's so happy sweet. to be so. I gotta say, I don't know that, that that one guy, one guy that I worked with on the campaign, and you know who I liked, and we had a good relationship, um, tweeted at me something like, "Look how far you've fallen. I've never thought you'd be so low. I'm so embarrassed that I used to like you." Like someone I know, you know, like like I know him. <laughs> um, and wait, let me not. Was that not, for this? Yeah, let me let me tell you what he actually said. Let me not lie, because uh, I actually have the tweet up because I screen grabbed it before I unfollowed him. Um, why won't this get bigger? Get get. I'm like get bigger, get bigger on my. Um, you suck so bad, Bree. You slumped so low, and all for that sweet sweet engagement. Gross. Like I, I know him. I worked with him. I liked him. I sat after hours with him long you know long after work and exchange life stories i know this person and haven't like talked to them since the campaign ended they went you know they moved back home but it's just i don't know like there's still there's still people who just are on the other side of that force divide or something and who see things very differently and i heard that there there is very there are very mixed views about this at and kind of like the dsa circles as well so i mean some, wow. some Bernie bros are with me, some Bernie bros are not, and that just is the way the cookie crumbles. But, I mean, it's that's that's appalling, like, the level of brain rot that that takes. That, uh, you know, theoretically, like, even if you disagree, like, if you know somebody and they're your friend and you know they're a good person and you think they have reprehensible views, like, you don't talk to them like that. Like, there's... There's all kinds of, like, every one of us has people in our family that we think have reprehensible views. Like, you know, obviously yours aren't as extreme as mine, but, you know, you have, have said multiple times you've got kind of shit-libby uh, sorts of people in, in your family that you argue with on holidays. And, you know, that like, you don't, you don't do that to somebody that you know and like like the, the level of brain rot that that takes yeah I, the level of capture yeah, I, I screen grabbed it because i sent it to another friend from the campaign and i was just like 
I, like, look, he doesn't have to agree with me. I obviously don't agree with him. I just can't imagine saying something like that to someone I know. I would just, like, maybe unfollow them or ignore it or, like, keep my thoughts to myself. Maybe talk to them in person or in a DM if I really thought that, like, they were misguided or didn't have some information or was ruining their reputation in some way that I wanted to be helpful. But, like, I just... It's not like we're best friends or anything. I just can't imagine saying something like that to someone I know. I don't talk to Andrew Sullivan like that. <laughs> no, and like you know, that's uh, that's why Andrew Sullivan would probably come back on the show, right. even though he has reprehensible views. He right. absolutely has reprehensible views. We know it. He knows we think so, and he doesn't mind coming on because we understand that people are very complex, multi-layered beings that are not the sum of their takes on issues. And that's, I like, like I, that like, obvious, like, ugh, that's, that like gives me the heebie-jeebies. But, you yeah, know, obviously it's, side. yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, it, obviously that's not about, you that's about him and like the level of brain rot we're seeing like on uh you know the way some people are getting carried away with these things is is kind of disturbing like i said cult like it's not just these uh the dog twitter it's the all the blue checks uh, you know that were you know decided they were gonna weigh in and tell you what a bad person you were uh don't know you at all by the way no opinion. Oh God, he's a, he's a bad take machine. He's almost as bad as Matty Iglesias. Right. Like, look, he tweets about economics, and his understanding of economics is not that good. And like, I've some people say he used to be good. Like Claudia Sam said, he used to be okay, huh. and he kind of went off the rails at some point. But mm-hmm. uh, like, he's just like he just has bad takes. He's blocked me and unblocked me like twice. Mm. I don't even know why he unblocked me. Uh, <laughs> I, I was maybe like, you can feel to free to block me again. Maybe he's trying to learn something about uh, economics from you. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I do spend a lot of time on econ Twitter, but this episode was really good, and it, it like it it was it was kind of a, a shame that it got overshadowed by the dog trolls because they were in your tweets about this episode too, and like it really you made you brought up some kind of profound points that i think even your guest was a little surprised by that she hadn't thought about in quite that way but i'm like i'm coming through this and i'm like man is everything fake like it seems like uh like what's her name uh, deborah messing knew better than we did the whole time who she was like basically she hasn't been doing what she said she was doing for like the last year or two like she's just been like her job has been for the last couple of years to basically be uh, Deborah Messing's black friend. Wait, who? Wait, who's Deborah Messing's black friend? Stacey Abrams. Oh, Stacey Abrams. Like that's ba- like she like all this time I thought she was doing that stuff. I'm like, okay, I can respect that yeah. because the stuff that was going on in Georgia, like those yeah. Republicans were doing some shady things, yeah. purging the rolls, targeting people with black sounding names, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on a flimsy pretext. Like they were doing that stuff, and I was like, okay, she's down there fighting that. Okay, that's a good fight to fight. But she wasn't doing any of that. Like yeah. everything is fake. Everything is a lie. Yeah, she was just holding holding space until she could run again. Yeah, it, it seems that way. And look, I appreciate.
she part of why I think Brittany was so credible is that she had a she was like kind of moderated in in her reporting. It was a, a straight news report. She did a really great job corroborating the opinions about how much money was too much to spend on this trial by talking to other civil rights lawyers and people who were inclined to, you know, be sympathetic to Stacey Abrams. It didn't feel at all like a hit job. And she was also very reserved in saying, hey, there might be an explanation for these things. We'll see if we ever get a statement from Stacey herself. You know, and I'm, I'm, I would be thrilled to learn that there was some very good explanation for all of this, that she did her best, that the courts were wrong, that her claims were meritorious, the money was well spent, and we can all go and, and not be further disillusioned. But the facts as we know them now are not the best. And I, I was very glad to get to, to hear from Brittany on, on Rising and to follow up with a longer interview with her. So I think everyone should follow up. Yeah, I was impressed by her. Yeah, the, yeah. The I was impressed by her. Like, I would too. like to learn. Yeah, it, like I would like to learn how to do what she does. Like, know exactly who to call, know exactly where to look to get the right information. Like, that's like she was really good with that. And yeah. like I, like she impressed me. That was a, that is a smart woman. Me too. She's so young and she's like very poised. Like I, I was very impressed by her. I just big fan. Everybody go follow Brittany Gibson, uh, and and Jonathan. Especially since he's out here fighting these wars in the Twitter streets. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I don't want to take up too much more time. Yeah, go ahead. I appreciate you. Have a friends. good one. Take the, keep, take care. Keep the faith. Will do. Bye, Bye not Biden. What are you doing? Hear me? I can't. Can you go in somewhere? But I hear a lot of like, I don't know, I heard some static. I, it's it's ghosts. I don't know what it is. Oh, sometimes the last call the last call will like still be on, but it sounds like it's a. Uh, it sounds like Jonathan's gone. What's what's on your mind, Bide? Well, um, a lot, <laughs> a lot. But what I will say is, um, a little bit of how dare you, Bree? <laughs> Why is that? How dare you ask? someone to explain their position <laughs> you, you should know better okay especially a, a liberal no offense to liberals but a lot of offense to liberals at this point um i am i gotta be honest i am like really i shouldn't be shocked but i'm still shocked uh, I, I thought what what was the name joe the, the guest that was on on Monday and then mm -hmm. started this whole Twitter tirade, I thought, and pardon my French, but I thought his post on Twitter was one of the most bitch-ass moves I have ever seen in my entire life. That's textbook. Textbook bitch-ass move. Like, what the f Okay, I'm, I'll be cool. You guys what? are trying to get me into trouble. No, that's a, no. Come on, Bree. Bree, you know. You know what you saw with that. Okay. <laughs> He was on the show. He got in his feelings. He got mad because his position for the first time, look, his, his position that he hasn't really had to think about because he hasn't really been challenged on and wasn't expecting to have the challenge on it. And he's in this echo chamber of American hegemony where, you know, somehow this person who's anti-war, who, who, you know, I say that with quotes, who, who went on who understands to some extent how America has lied about the whole freedom and democracy narrative in the past, acknowledges 
Vietnam, acknowledges Iraq, acknowledges Afghanistan, and now suddenly here has not somehow connected the dots that, well, maybe America's doing the same playbook that they did before. And instead of actually, that should be a moment like, that should be a moment where you're saved. If, if you really thought like, if I'm, if I truly believe that there's, that we're in some kind of a just war, that we're in a just conflict, that we're really trying to save people, and someone really gives me some real hard questions that challenge that narrative, then there should be a part of me, it's going to be tough because you support the war, but there should be a part of you, a, a kernel of you that's relieved because holy shit, I've been lied to. Uh, holy shit, like I've, someone has told me the truth or at least given me a good basis for like, actually questioning this war. And instead, this guy's ego, for him, his pride, his stupid little one human being pride is somehow more important than actually stopping America from, from making the same mistake again, from continuing a war that does not need to continue, from at least pushing for diplomacy. and the kinds of excuses that people are willing to make for this, this kind of bullshit ass, like, like I, I, the, the thing that really kind of got me about this too, Brie, and I think, I don't know, I, I think you reacted pretty, uh, it kind of threw you too, but his willingness to buy like the staffer excuse, yeah, you know, to throw staffers under the bus, like this is someone who, it really does remind me of people who, who don't like it when you question their religion, right? Like, it's, it's this idea that they have built up a foundational belief within them. And the questioning of the foundations of that belief somehow are seen as a threat to them. Yeah. Hey, hey by the way, Bide, you're, you kind of like go in and out, like you occasionally turn your head away from the mic and then it gets quiet and then you come back to the mic. I'm not sure okay. what that is. I don't know. It's probably I, like you're you're quiet right now. Uh, it's like you go underwater me, and then you come back. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe if I hold on, let me just disconnect from. Oh, that's good. Good. Hello. Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, that's so much better. Okay. Yeah. I, I, these headphones suck. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, I find it troubling that, that someone is more willing to basically try to burn down the messenger than actually contend with the message. And that's really scary. And we don't learn anything. This is what really gets me like, you guys know, I don't know how many times I can say this. I can't, I came into this ignorant as hell and still remain largely ignorant about this whole situation. And I'm really, I'm really asking people when I ask Joe a question, it, you know, I have some ideas of my own at this point, but especially in the earlier days, I was truly asking, like, if you don't like this letter and you're someone who I like and respect, I do want to know why. And now I'm not saying I'm going to agree with the reasons that come out of your mouth, but I, I sincerely want to know where you're coming from because you're someone who I thought 
was coming from the same place I'm coming from. And I'd love to know, like, everyone said these horrible smearing things about people like Aaron Mate. Okay, no one's perfect. If Aaron Mate says something wrong or has got something factually wrong or has made some big mistake, I'd love to know about it. But since no one will actually engage with him, no one who who says all these horrible things about him will actually talk to him, you know, but Aaron will talk to me. What? How is it, how is it not going to be the case that he's now conversing with me saying all of these things that don't go refuted because no one will actually engage with the substance of what he's saying? And then on the other side, there are a bunch of people who are just both saying empty smears and also refusing to engage with me now at this point. You know, it's, you're doing a terrible job of convincing me if you really thought that I should be convinced to have a different belief system. Because on one side, there's someone who's respectfully offering their time and showing a lot of knowledge and insight and spe- specificity. But on the other hand, someone who's being pretty uncouth on the Internet, sticking people on me, and at the same time, apparently not even knowing that there was a, a civil war in Ukraine. Yeah, that's absolutely bananas to me. I mean, it's banana, and and I don't know what it is. I don't know what kind of like psychological. To me, it's got to be like a psychological phenomenon, right? Like something, there's something going on with people. Like I don't know if you've read or if you're familiar with a book called "Conflict Is Not Abuse," no, um, by someone named Sarah Shulman. It's one of, it's a really fascinating book, um, and I know that Rika's actually a big fan too because we've we've kind of stand over it. Um, but it it is i don't know when it's back like in 2016 but it's got a quote like i'll just read one of the quotes but the the quote of the book is uh or the kind of theme of the book is that many levels of human interaction or at many levels of human interaction there's an opportunity to conflate discomfort with threat Mm. and to mistake internal anxiety for exterior danger Mm. and in turn to escalate rather than resolve and I think there's something like that going on in our politics. And I honestly think that something about Trump in particular really kind of broke people on this. Mm. And, and because I think Trump is the closest thing to really shattering the illusion that America's a proper country. You know, it's, it's this sort of carnival barker-ass whatever dude who was taken as a joke who becomes the most powerful man in the world uh, literally overnight. Mm-hmm. And people who have not pay- been paying enough attention. Rika in the chat is like, I brought this book up a thousand times to you. Yeah, Rika, the, the second he started describing it, it was familiar. But like, I, I've been at this game long enough that if I say yes, something's familiar and I'm not 100% sure. And then someone's like, okay, then you know this. And I get caught, on my, I got, get caught with my pants down. It's not worth it. It's rather just to start from ignorant and then be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Right. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, bye. No, I just think it's, I I think people's brains, I don't know. I don't know. I just, what I'm really just trying to like contend with is how do we actually confront this in a way that starts to actually change the, not just a narrative, but change the culture in a way to where people are not doing what Joe did here. Uh, I mean, it's in a bizarro world where people who have literally been uncovered as, or a group that was literally uncovered as being, you know, pro-Nazi is going out accusing you of ignoring genocide. 
mm-hmm. right? And just seeing how triggered people get whenever you say the name Tulsi Gabbard, mm-hmm. which is again wild. It's it, 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 when 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 you have to say you know point out the lie, and instead they assume that the lie is just sort of self evident because mm-hmm. of the person who uttered the the, the phrase, and that's what. That's what's really messing with my head is I don't know how to it, it I don't know how to combat that in a way that is going to well I'll put it this way I don't know how to combat that fast enough to actually get people that we need to change in order to form a mass movement to actually do anything. Yeah, I was thinking about this actually as I was doing my interview with the Black Conservative today. Because I was thinking about how much of what he was saying would have triggered me horribly just a few years ago. And about how some of it I still disagree with, but I just doesn't provoke the same emotional response. And part of, part of the reason why is because I've been just having these conversations and putting myself in these spaces for so long and then watching myself back and reflecting on how I perceived and reflecting on what it was that triggered me and what part I actually disagree with and what part I'm like jumping to conclusions, you know, and it, so it's some of it is like trial by fire, like just being yeah. more immersed in the views of people who disagree with you enables you to hear what they're saying and respond in a way that is much more competent and less reactionary, just like the practice of doing it. So I do, I do think part of it is that we live in such a bifurcated country, a siloed country that like it's it's hard with the first time you hear something like so antagonistic to your own worldview not to react in that way. If I weren't on Rising every day talking to Robbie about the vaccine stuff and, you know, all of the things that we disagree on, I would be much more reactionary. And and, and having to defend your own views, like I, I have been Joe. I have been the person that blew up about something and then when pressed, couldn't define what it is that I was mad about. And that's a humbling experience. And I try not to be in that place anymore. But you kind of, yeah. for me personally, I had to be humbled sometimes before I realized not to not to stick my neck out farther than I could actually defend. And and that just that just comes with practice. So if there's a part of me that has a lot of compassion for for Joe because it was clear that he he had never heard someone say some of those things, and it, it never occurred to him that he would ever have to defend why Tulsi was bad. Right. Like I wasn't the only one who was coming onto a call thinking that the other person was an ally. He also came into the call thinking that I agreed with him more than I did. It was like a t- both of us <laughs> I thought we over-identified with each other more than we actually did. And I think it was a surprise and jarring and it and it ultimately caused the breakdown. I will say though that during the interview and at the end of the interview it was very warm. Yeah. And we talked about how much we liked each other and why it was that we were able to have this conversation and how proud of we are we were of ourselves for being able to have this conversation. And I meant it. I, I meant it. And I was prepared. I was psychologically preparing myself because I was like, oh, Lord, people are going to drag Joe. And I disagree with Joe, but people are going to be saying all kinds of things about him on the Internet. And I'm going to feel bad because, you know, they're going to be saying it to me on the call-in and I'm going to not be able to agree because I want to respect Joe, even though, like, substantively I agree with him, even if I wouldn't call him those names. Yeah. And instead, <laughs> he blew it up. Yeah. I, I, this kind of gets to your point about, you know, why you don't like calling people Uncle Toms. But I think that there's something about the Internet where 
if you have an opinion about something that's wrong and let's say you argue for it and you find yourself without an argument, you know, you get caught with your pants down. You've been humbled, as you were saying, mm-hmm. right? There is something about it that people do, you know, all these random people who see it or who comment on it. And if you're in the comments or something, they attack you, the person, not even the arguments too. They say, you know, oh, Biden is so dumb or he's didn't know the fuck he was talking about. And I think that can probably have a response to sort of, I, I, I think that you can kind of respond in a way when facing that that, you know, tries to protect you in any way, shape, or form. And sometimes that just takes the form of, well, attack the person who exposed me to this stuff. I have to blame someone. I have to put something else outside of myself or whatever because, um, you know, my pride is hurt or something like that. You know, it's the same reason why, like, and I've done this, like, in college, being an idiot, like, someone says something, and then you're like, what you say, bro? And then you realize, like, what? This isn't going to solve anything. What am I doing? This is, this is very dumb. But I think, I don't know. Maybe Joe just wasn't ready for that because I, I think that's what made it so bitch ass to me, though. Like for real, is that he? You ended on good terms, yeah. and he like like the person who you know I didn't this other tweet of this guy who has literally worked with you on the campaign, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know what that is. I don't know how, like, to me, that's like, God, it, 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 it's one of the, like, most, when, when you should know somebody, like, in the real world, when you actually know someone in the real world, it's not just, like, an internet thing. You've actually sat down, you've shared meals with this person, you, you know them a little more intimately than just... 140 characters or whatever it's been here. You know, I, I just, I expect more of you to be able to, to be able to like fight against that wave of whatever tweets and whatever the hell it is. And honestly, man, like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm just, I would like to, I'm really glad Jonathan's in there in the comments and like, fighting the good fight against these weird Ukrainian dogs or whatever they are. But, (laughs) but I just, I can't help but be really uh, like scared for, or, 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 or worried about humanity because this is like, look, if you, if you cut off every Avenue for people to actually engage in meaningful conversations like this, which are supposed to be what shape our policies, right? instead of just platitudes and, and vague beliefs that are not backed up by any sort of facts or, you know, vibes, just feelings. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, where do we think that's going to lead us? If we're not following any sort of legitimate policies, which have been vetted, which have been really thought out, which, which we have contended with all the different angles of, you know, whatever policy we're pursuing, if we just are just kind of winging it, I'm feeling alone. Where do we think, where do we think that ends? And I just, I wish there was a a broader conversation happening just more generally in either on Twitter or 
just in the in the I don't know wherever most public discourse is actually happening that would get people to just acknowledge that more, which would get people to really I don't know like engage with that idea and to understand that like uh, there's no there's no good end if everyone's just firing blind based on what they feel. We we can't yeah. actually. I mean, the problem is you first got to get people to think that they're not just being reactive and basing it on emotion. Cause I think that Joe doesn't, wouldn't describe himself that way. I think he feels that he's knowledgeable or in the alternative, you know, he's an op and he knows better and he's just trying to guess. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything like that, but it's one or the other, right? Like people don't walk around thinking they're the bad guy. People don't walk around thinking they're the ones that's misinformed. And the problem with this rhetoric about, you know, everyone who disagrees with you is a Putin puppet and doesn't care about Ukrainians and just is a horrible person is that it doesn't, it doesn't provoke any intellectual curiosity. And I was saying this maybe last on the last call in or something, but I'm very grateful one for my like general temperament, but also the fact that like, you know, one of the first things I ever heard about people like Aaron were like smears, yeah. you know, Aaron's an assadist. And, but for the fact that I'm in this space and I know people who know Aaron and the people that I know who know Aaron, I like and trust, it made me more open and more inquisitive and want to be like, Oh, well, why are they calling him this? And well, I'm not seeing any justification for this, or I'm finding him to be open and honest and like reflective on the mistakes he has made. And I see the people who are making these accusations, not engaging at all with his counter arguments like that, you know, but for that, who knows where I would have been and who I would have listened to and where I would have ended up. So I do have some degree of compassion for folks, but they got to snap out of it. Like, yeah, that, that's why, that is why I don't like calling people Uncle Toms. That is why I don't like calling people grifters. That's why I don't like yeah, calling people Putin puppets. Because at the end of the day, it can be a crutch for engaging with what it yeah, is about I, a person or their ideas that you actually don't like. And I never yeah. want to wake up one day and realize I was calling somebody one of those names and I was the Joe. Yeah, that's a really, really solid point. And, and first of all, shout out to... Aaron Mate, that poor guy has to be one of the most like really <laughs> malleable I've ever I, on the internet. Just the the way that people talk about him and yeah. you know the way that he's painted as like a Putin puppet in particular is is wild. I mean, I I think he's been talk about someone who's always been willing to engage. I've seen him go on a lot of different shows and a lot of different spaces. And let people challenge his beliefs. And I, you know, I always got to respect mm -hmm. that. And I guess, you know, the last thing I'll say to people, I don't know if there are any dog people in the, in the chat or whoever's here, who's listening to it later, um, who may have been, I don't know, like a Twitter troll who's following the, the, the conversation here. I'll just say this. I, I, it's okay to, be wrong. It's okay to let yourself be questioned. And I find personally, I really find a lot of freedom and a lot of sort of self development from just acknowledging when I'm being a dumbass. It's mm -hmm. okay. It's Everyone free, isn't it? has been a dumbass. <laughs> it's free. It helps. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's, there's, we build up these sorts of walls, especially a lot of people who get super educated or whatever, or, or who feel like, you know, they're always treated like the smartest person in the room or something like that. But we build up these walls of like, 
identity and sort of our self-value is dependent on how accurate every one of our takes is or how well-informed we are, right? If you say, oh, I'm into politics, I'm really into stuff, I, I know things, I, you, you, you build up some pride in the sense of like purpose and identity from knowing those things or at least believing that you know them. So sometimes when people are attacking those things, it feels like they're attacking you or it feels like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But like, you're not those fucking things, dude. You're not those things. You're just, you're a person just trying to figure those things out. And if you really care about all of those things, then wouldn't you want to have more accurate takes? Wouldn't you want to have a better sense of actually the world that you're living in? And I don't know if it's just because like, I don't know, my mom's a hippie or whatever, but like, um, (laughs) you know, that, that idea of just, not letting your ego get in the way of your own ability to process what's going on in the world. It's a clarity to it. And it shatters the illusion that perfection, like anyone is perfect, you know, like, I don't know. It's this idea that, you know, everybody poops, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody, uh, you know, nobody shit don't stink because everybody poops. And It's like acknowledging that that's not like a huge embarrassing moment for you, but instead is a moment potentially to grow, to learn and to refine yourself so that the next time you come out better and with more accurate information and actually, I don't know, maybe it allows you to grow. But I just, you know, so for any of the dog people who are listening, like, I don't know, take take some shrooms and. (laughs) (laughs) Well, God bless you, Biden. Biden. Sorry. Uh, but I don't think that any, I think the dog people are fully, um, they might be past, they might be past, uh, <laughs> saving. I don't know that they're necessarily good faith actors here, but I, it's very generous of you to even, um, pitch that to them. So that is a testament to you and, and, and your generosity. Uh, but thank you. Thank you as always for calling in my friend. Yeah. Good talking with you. All right. Take care. Keep the faith. Daniel. Unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind this evening. Ooh, there are a lot of you in here today, huh? I'm going to try to pick it up and get through more of this queue. Are you with us, Daniel? Danny boy. All right. We gave it a good faith effort. Uh, go back to the end of the queue and I'll pull you back from behind, but I'm going to move on to Rena. How you doing, Rena? Hi, Bree. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, since, since Aaron has been under discussion recently, uh, I just wanted to let you know that I am officially his uh, Nebraska correspondent. So uh, calling in to say, Hi, you've got some fans in Nebraska, too. Um, What do do you mean that you're his uh, Nebraska correspondent? Oh, God, what was it? Uh, I think it was his and Katie's show. Something came up about the stupid governor here. So I called in and said, let me tell you some stuff about the stupid governor here. (laughs) So I I got christened the official Nebraska correspondent. Nice. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's good to have some yeah, from, fans in the, in the group. I, you'll be happy with an episode that's coming next week. I'll, I can say that much. 
Well, uh, yeah, I I have a lot of respect for Aaron among a whole bunch of other people. I'm certainly glad that uh, you have decided that he's worth talking to. I honestly, Bree, I don't know what's wrong with all these people. I really don't. And uh, your your previous caller was kind of kind of kind of along these lines too, but. These people have lost their minds. Trump broke their brains. I swear to God. You know, you got Russophobia, you got Russiagate, and you know, Aaron, of course, was all over the Russiagate stuff, mm-hmm. right, right, pretty much right from the beginning. So was Jimmy Dore. So was Matt Taibbi. So was Glenn mm-hmm. Greenwald. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could throw some other names in there. People who didn't lose their minds, and people are so pissed that they were wrong about that that they mm-hmm. just can't let it go or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not even attempting to begin to psycho, psychoanalyze any of these people. They should all be ashamed of themselves. Every, every idiot at every media outlet who published crap about Russiagate for the past six years and, and, and continuing, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Tars, feathers, guillotine, uh, ridden on a town on a rail. I, I don't know. They should, they should be ashamed and embarrassed. And I did just tell somebody in the chat to bite me because he, he wanted to talk some smack about Glenn Greenwald and I'm done with that shit. Mm -hmm. Don't talk smack about Glenn Greenwald around me. Bucko. I've been following Glenn Greenwald a long time and I am so sick to death. And I have actually had this conversation on call-in with Glenn Greenwald. I said, I am sick to death of the kind, you think you were under attack on your Twitter? Glenn gets that shit all day, every day. Yeah, I know. I all know true. day, every day. And, and in real life, by the way, he had his house was broken up in, into and he was bound to a chair. I mean, that's terrifying. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I had totally forgotten about that episode, although it didn't have anything to do with Twitter, Twitter trolls, right. praise the holy cow. Right. So yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, Glenn, Glenn says some stuff that I think makes a lot of sense. Like it's, it's very hard for us as human beings to even understand our own motivations, much less look at somebody else and say, well, you're a grifter. And the reason you're doing that is because you're trying to atta- attract right wing money. What? None of this stuff makes a lick of sense. And the only thing I can say is I think, actually, I have a lot to say, uh, but I will shut up here fairly fast because I know you have a lot of callers. You always do. Uh, Everyone should watch Russell Brand's new show on Rumble because he gets kind of introspective at least one day out of the week. So Mm. (laughs) it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good uh, mediation. Mm. chime or something and if you really want to entertain yourself everybody should go on twitter and find the two minute uh video that john stewart put together with susan sarandon about oh, her having that. other <laughs> otherworldly powers and uh if that doesn't make you feel better i don't know what could and um uh, this, Mr. Serencioni should be ashamed of himself. Uh, if if you lose your Patreon account, uh, you know, shame on these people. That's all I have to say. 
Shame. Luckily, I, th- I think it'll, that was the first time that's ever happened to me, so it was a little scary. But I think it's along the lines of when people just report you on Twitter. Like I get a lot of those. Like someone in Germany has reported your Twitter as violating the guidelines. Like, and they never. They, at least for me, so far, they've never actually um, blocked me or pulled me or whatever. So well, hopefully it's, it's just it, that from Patreon, and you know, yeah, one. <laughs> I don't know, getting kicked off Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I mean, I, I'm sure for somebody who produces content like you do, that would be devastating. But now that, now that they're starting to go after people's money, that is really ugly. Um, yeah. Just, no, that's, that's the thing. They, they, they hate that there's no one to threaten. So they threaten the institution that hosts your independent content. Like they right. hate, you can feel like they're trying to tag. Get on Rumble. Yeah, get on Rumble. I've been looking into it and get talking on to Glenn about it, like with all transparency, yes. because this is this is scary. And Sabi really helpfully DM'd me a couple of options of different kind of platforms that she's used in the past as well. So you know, I really appreciate all the solidarity, and I'm well, definitely looking into diversifying. Even if nothing happens, I do think it's important to have backups. Yeah, definitely have backups. You know, there are a bunch bunches of people. I don't know though. My ba- my bandwidth is like like tonight there are actually three things that i want to be listening to simultaneously there's you and sabby sabs and michael tracy and you're all on at the same time oh i'm sorry it's just nope. don't don't apologize don't okay, apologize we, we we chatted you got through so you should go and like <laughs> go listen to sabby no 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 i'm not going i'm not going anywhere you know <laughs> We we all have to pick. We all have to make decisions and live with consequences. So so that that part is fine. Uh, anyway, uh, this happens to be a week where I was able to watch watch your videos and get listen to all your whole call in in response to your videos twice in one week. So I'm kind of taking advantage of that, and that's why I'm actually speaking to you tonight. Last your last show. You did get some suggestions for some people, mm-hmm. uh, some different people to talk to about some of this foreign policy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really hope you follow through on that. Those, those people are amazing. You have to hunt for them. Like Brian Berletic, he does a really good job. Uh, I mentioned uh, the guys from the Duran. And I haven't been watching them for very long. but They're amazing. They each do uh, a stream every day. And, and plus they do one together. And today they're, they, they had a live over two hour interview with Danny Haifong together. Mm. Plus they did their own individual things. It's, there's, there is really a lot of information out there. You kind of have to hunt for it, but a lot of those people are worthwhile. And I'll tell you the real reason that Joe doesn't want to talk to Aaron is because Aaron mops the floor with people <laughs> like him. And I've seen it many times. I've seen it from Glenn many times. You know, they're afraid of him. That it, it's just that simple. And that that's all I want to say. You've got yeah. a great fan base here, and keep on keeping on. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's it's. I know there's a lot of great content out there, and I and I'm I'm really I'm humbled that you have spent so much time with with me this week. So thank you. I appreciate you calling in. Um. Oh, who got hit to the back? Let me check. Let me make sure. Okay, Allende, I heard you say um, that you got kicked to the back, so I'll bring you up after um, Dina. 
What's on your mind, Dina? I don't recognize you or your avatar. Have you called in before? Hello? Hey, Dina. How are you? Hi. What's on your mind? I'm good. A long-time listener, first-time caller. and that. And um, actually a new Patreon subscriber as of this week. Um, oh, thank you. Welcome. With, yeah, with all this Twitter stuff uh, pushing me over the edge on that front. Um, I appreciate that. So I just wanted to run some third-party strategy ideas by you and the audience, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one starts with me looking up how many people live in Vermont um, Mm -hmm. and finding out that it's fewer than a standard congressional district. Mm -hmm. Um, And that made me start thinking that it's not exactly a coincidence that Bernie, the independent senator, Mm -hmm. um, is from Vermont um, because basically you can you can do just the normal like AOC strategy of knocking on every door Mm -hmm. um, and it translates into like uh, an order of magnitude more power Mm -hmm. um, than it would in a congressional district. Um, So what I'm not understanding is why more people don't talk about starting with the smallest states and running for Senate Mm. as an independent Um, And having that be more of a priority than, like, barely grasping on to another congressional seat that will likely have no influence over anything um, after Election Day next week. Um, So that's... Yeah, I mean, I I like it. I guess my my only question would be whether, I mean... People are going to get accused of carpet bagging, and you know they're going to say, "Well, are, you're not even really from Vermont. Why should we like you?" I feel like it's one of those states where people, especially, feel sensitive to the idea of perhaps being an outsider. Are you? Is, you can can you find someone from Vermont? Can you embed someone to play a long game like Bernie and live there for enough years that they are accepted? And you know th- those would be my kind of potential red flags, but the idea of trying to exploit states or even districts like AOCs where they're small enough to be able to use use that kind of campaign, I think is 100%, 100% right. I mean, I look like, I remember when I talked to Marcel, um, sorry, his, his handle is Marcel for Congress, so I always forget his last name, but uh, you know, he was running for Senate, he was running for, sorry, uh, the House um, Jim Clyburn seat. And I was asking him about the race and what his likelihood of winning was and what the ground game looked like. And it's a spread out district. It's not all the closed houses where you can door knock. It's a lot of people. And it seemed like a real lift. And the contrast between what he would have had to accomplish and what you're describing is meaningful. And I, and I do think people should be strategic. Oh, did you leave? Let me know if that was in. Oh, that seems like maybe that was an accident. I'll bring you back up, Dina. Dina, can you unmute yourself? Did you mean to to hang up or was that an accident? Hello? Hi. 
Hi, sorry. Um, stuff with the app. Um, no worries. So, yeah, I guess just on the other hand, when I think about something like Matthew Ho mm-hmm. um, running for Senate in North Carolina, mm-hmm. which, I mean, he's doing playing the long game in that state and he's building all this infrastructure, um, mm-hmm. which is super important. Um, but like North Carolina is, I think it's like 10 million people. Um, and in that big of a state, like that you just need so much more money. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. And I, it's just the idea of like pooling national resources to just attack base. And also you would have kind of like the element of surprise, which I think, uh, the left electorally has lost, Mm. um, Basically, like, at least if you're running within the Democratic Party, like the Democrats now just have their playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to another idea um, I've been thinking about, and this is sort of building on case study QB's idea for a mutual aid party, where the main thing they're doing is mutual aid and they just, you know, happen to put up candidates um, during election years. Um, and so I was thinking about doing that and sort of combining it with, um, referendums. Mm -hmm. Um, so the idea would be that like, so case study QB's idea is, is that like you're doing mutual aid constantly, not just in election years. So with referendums, you would be doing policy and issue activism year round. Um, and then in coordination, tie referendums with candidates, political candidates. Um, and those political candidates would kind of, with the foundation of that mutual aid and policy and issue activism, which is a longer term project, um, that would kind of create the foundation upon which a political candidate would just be like a little treat. Um, and that sort of, um, that sort of like, uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I, I like it a lot. Um, when, when Tyson came on um, rising today, she was very critical of the Democrats for having dismantled, not necessarily mutual aid organizations, but the field work, infrastructure they put together for campaign season obviously bernie very famously um shutting down um his org after 2016 instead of making brick and mortar bases in these states the way that republicans did and continue to do especially you know following uh 2010 now it's paying huge dividends and i i do think that the analogy that was brought up on the show was how you know Bernie was successful in Nevada because they got there early, had been there for a year doing things yeah. in communities that didn't seem so targeted to just getting people to vote for Bernie, you know, throwing cookouts and having kind of a more of a, a naturalized community presence and being helpful. Um, and so I, I do think that having an organization that has the public trust because it's there always, no matter what, and then does elections as a little treat, as you say, is, is, is terrific. So shout out to case study. Yeah. And you for bringing, bringing that to my attention for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like, especially with the third party where you kind of need to build a brand um, to really like 
you need to have name recognition and build a brand and all of that stuff. And so if the focus of what you're doing, the main thing you're doing on a day to day basis are like is the mutual aid and the activism. Um, yeah, that just sort of organically and naturally will lead to political candidates doing better and better and better with each cycle. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to throw those out. Um, and it, I mean, it would be interesting to um, run those by uh, any third party people you you end up interviewing um, yeah, for, in the for future. Sure. And I, I, I should have, when Matthew came on, he came on with Jill Stein and we were talking about subjects other, I mean, in addition, his race, obviously, but more broadly as well. And so I, we didn't drill in as much on what his long game was and what his plans are. And I'd love to do a follow-up chat with him. So um, I'd love to talk to him about this idea as well. Thank you so much for calling in, Dina. Yeah, of course. Thank you. All right. Keep the faith. Ayende, thank keep you. Keep the faith. Thank you for your patience. I'm sorry you got... Now, I hope this is an honor system, Allende. If anybody knows that Allende technically was never in this spot in line and is just trying to finagle his way up from the back, call him out. Drag him in the chat. <laughs> I was definitely right behind Rena the whole time. Like, staring at staring at the staring at the screen. I accidentally pressed the hang-up button. And I was like, every time... This happens to me before. And, like, every time it happens, like my heart just sinks. Because we were there waiting for hours. <laughs> and you get kicked to the back of the line. But just to talk about um the, the Pete thing from earlier. Like I have a unique a unique experience with Pete, um, because Mayor Pete, because of like like it really showed me just how much love and hate are two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Because I swear to God, when I first so like I was like, you know, I wasn't backing anybody in when twenty twenty, like immediately when the Race just started. I'm just like, okay, let's let's see what's going on. And then I I heard Pete talk, right? And then like I heard him talk again. Like I'll sit, I'll I'll do this thing where I'll sit there and I'll like I'll like listen to like a candidate's like all their appearances or whatever. And I like I did that for Pete. And I'm like, oh my god, this is the guy. Like he moved me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was even like telling friends about him. And then <laughs> I, and, I, and here's the thing, right? If I was an ounce less into politics i would be a pete fan why (laughs) because i actually did the due diligence of looking at his policy like going on to his camp like people don't do this now i went on to his campaign website and i'm okay where are the policies because i'm okay i'm interested into seeing what he actually stands on there was like barely anything there it was all vague Mm. nonsense Mm. and then i come across a clip of him saying, like, the policies don't really matter. It's about the vibes. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that, all of that love, that, like, for a, a week, for a week, like, I was like, oh, my God, this is the guy. For a week, I was, oh, my God, all that love, like, I will never vote for this man again. Like, it's not, it's not happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was immediately, like, I'm, I'm with you all the way. I cannot stand him. And, like, the thing is, people are saying, like, oh, he's smart, whatever. He, he is, like, listen, I go to, I, I go to Ivy. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to um, dox myself, so I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> but, like, I go to Ivy, and so, like, I know people who, I, I'm just like you. I know Pete, right? And, like, the thing is, like, to me, Pete doesn't seem that smart. Like, he just seems like he did, like, a reading. Mm-hmm. And... He's doing an Obama impression. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Like he's not. He hasn't said anything revolutionary. He hasn't had any like unique thoughts. It's just 
he's he is a high achieving high schooler who's read a couple of papers, right? Mm-hmm. And who's doing an Obama impression. So, anyways, I just wanted to get that out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky because, like, I I do think to do that you do have to be smart, but it's not the kind of smart that's meaningful. So, like, my my best friend, I always joke, we were both history of science majors, and. He used to come to class. It was like a small major. There were only like 35 of us. And I would be knowing that he did not do the reading, right? Like <laughs> we talked about it. We conversed about it and he did not do the reading. And we would get to our little, little sophomore section or whatever with eight people in it. And it's all about participation and communication. And why would he be raising his hand first and talking at length about shit? I know he didn't read. I would be like, Joe, what is happening right now? <laughs> and this this man is a genius because he could read the table of contents and that's me, weave though. That's together. Me, though. I, I, that's, <laughs> that's definitely me. I never do the reading, and I'm always the guy speaking the most, right? And I just go off the vibe of like what everyone else is saying. I'm like, okay, that's what was it. Yeah, the let me piggyback <laughs> on that. Like he was the king of this, and he knew that if you get in first, you can get the most obvious points out on the ground. Before it gets harder to say something original, yep. like you gotta raise your hand first, and also that deflects suspicion off of you. Yeah, watch this, and I forgot, I'd be shaking my head like this, motherfucker. Like he's slick. He is so slick. But that took a different kind of skill. That took a certain kind of smart. So, like, I'm not saying like I think you know I don't want to be like God bless him, my friend Norm Finkelstein and be like Obama isn't smart. Like these people are smart, but they're also empty vessels. Yeah, and they are not like insightful. You it's know, like, like a game peep game, for me. It's like a game peep game situation. Like I, I mm-hmm, see you. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Like you really put into words what I was trying to say. It is a game peep game situation. On some level, my particular distaste for Pete is a kind of resentment. Insofar as I see my qualities that I don't particularly love about myself reflected. <laughs> 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 and I was like, "Oh, we're just pulling the pulling the wool over America's eyes. I can do that. Like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> Don't you keep using these powers for evil? How dare you?" <laughs> yeah, for sure. But but um, I, I just like to. So I saw that in no opinion. Like he said that he wanted to go on with you. Um, I don't know I if you're saw planning- that, and I yeah, and I, I forwarded it to someone. Um, in this like Russia Ukraine space to see if I could put together a like a little debate I can moderate because I think that would be very useful and I'm happy that he volunteered to to actually talk on the show. Yeah, to be honest though, like to talk to you, not like I, I'm kind of over the Russia Ukraine thing. I don't think I don't, I don't think we're getting over that. We're not getting over that, right? You don't think that like... this this week? I, I kind of feel like this week cracked something open, like. I, I maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like this blowing up the way it did because of the NAFO people. It like if this is the worst they can do, and I'm still standing. I, I what I hope is that it gave people permit like permission, who felt worried about saying some of this stuff out loud, to just talk and say their truth, and to call out the squad on dropping the or all of the progressives for dropping the letter and. Like, I, I just, I hope that this opens the door a little bit to being able to have an anti-war left. Like, maybe that's too, maybe that's too self-aggrandizing or, or, or thinking that this is going to do too much. But I don't know. It, it, I, I feel a little bit of a vibe shift. I mean, 
I mean, I, I can't really speak to that because I don't think I don't think I feel that vibe shift. But like, kind of like the the place I'm coming from with this, like, it was so weird watching that the other day because like a lot of these people, like, when it comes to domestic policy, like, I kind of like respect them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll. I am I'm a very devil's advocate kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can listen to whoever talk and like 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 remove my priors and like try to see see the good in whatever they they're going on, right? They have going on. And so like I'm always watching like I'm I'm I follow Matt, I follow No Opinion, I follow like all of these like neo- neoliberal econ- economist guys on deep on econ Twitter, right? And so like and so to see otherwise reasonable people just straight up call you evil, right? Like, like not even, not even, they, none of them, none of the, them actually addressed the, like, the core of what you were arguing, right? Mm-hmm. They just, like, immediately attacked, like, your, went straight to the moral, went straight from your morals. And, like, luckily, one of these guys, um, one of the, like, one of said people actually follows me back. And even though my account is private, and, like, we had, like, a back and forth about it. And it actually, like, like, after like, I kind of called him out about not um I, I actually can't remember his name, but actually after um we I called him out about not addressing like, you know, the substance of what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like we came to like eventually it came to the conclusion like, yes, this isn't about morals, this is about like geopolit geopolitical influence, mm-hmm. right? And it just happens to also be a moral cause, right? And like and like it kind of just ended there. Like, like, like it was, it, it's more so you people, like you guys are talking past each other. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. they're not getting that. You're not saying that this isn't a moral cause. Mm-hmm. You're just saying there are other moral causes that you're not participating in. Mm-hmm. And that this is mainly geopolitics. And mm-hmm. like, they're saying like, they're basically saying the same thing. It's just, they don't like that. You're questioning the aid. Right mm-hmm. or questioning the con- the condition of which aid is being you know given or whatever you know what I mean because mm-hmm. I yeah and um but I don't want to I don't, I actually didn't want to dwell too much on that I wanted to speak to because I like I follow a lot of these people and the reason why I wanted you to talk to no opinion about like more like domestic policy mm-hmm. um is because like like one of my big focuses as of late has been like the idea that in America you can't build anything anymore. And it's not about the money that we spend. We mm-hmm. spend more money on like, like it's absurd how much money gets spent on New York city subways and like not, not, not a new line gets built. Right. Yeah. Where I saw it, that comparison between the New York subway cost and some other subway and like, and Korea. Korea. Oh yeah. It was a Korea. Yeah. I was going to say someplace civilized like Singapore or something. Yeah. I don't know. What are those, what are those places where they have infrastructure and uh, they, it's clean. <laughs> Um, and it was like showing all of this marvelous stuff. It was fast. It was clean. It had all this high tech and it cost like a fraction of what the New York subway cost. I will say, however, that whenever people do those comparisons, the other subway is never 24 hours. (laughs) New York is the only one who has a 25. When I grew up, when I went to college and realized that other subways weren't 24 hours. When I went to go home after some night out in Boston and they were like, the subway is closed. I was like, 
Was there an emergency? Well, yeah, like I, was there a terrorism? I mean, listen, you don't you don't have to tell me about this. Like, I'm a, I'm a New York supremacist. Like, I, <laughs> my, my city is my city. <laughs> like, it's the best city in the world. Best city in God green earth. Um, but and I like I love like the same for hours, and I can I can I, of course nitpick like you know what I don't like about these other places, but they they can build things easily. And one thing that like I see from these neoliberal economists and that I don't see on the left is like this acknowledgement that there are too many options. Like the, the main reason why things cost so much, why I can walk around most of Brooklyn, even though rent is sky high and there are still single story buildings. Like mm-hmm. that is absurd to me. Like why there's still single story buildings in, in Brooklyn. And oh, it's come like, on now, you can't. <laughs> There has to be some architectural diversity. I don't want them to plow down and, and make the entire okay. city one uniform giant high rise. Whatever. Okay. So whatever. <laughs> but like at least a brownstone. Can we get a brownstone? Like can we. Oh, I see what can, you're saying. Like like it doesn't have to be a high rise. Like why are you still a single story like lot? This is absurd. And it's because they're building. They're building height restrictions. Right. And like. I don't really see people on the left talk about just like how many obstacles that the government creates to like just building anything, right? And it's like a, it's it's like I I, I don't want to like sound away about it, like sound Robbie, liberal Robbie about, it, about it. Robbie talks about it. Robbie talks about it, and honestly, I don't really engage him because I don't know that much about it, and I I confess to being a little distrustful of it because Robbie says it. Sorry, Robbie, you, you you know I love you, but not to sound not to sound mark like like everything is like okay, the market is the best, but like. People, a lot of people on the left like to say that the reason why like we can't build anything is because of like, the free market, but it's it's not really free at all. It's it's it, it you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I, I hear you. He's always talking about zoning. Maybe it's worth doing an episode on, so I won't have a knee jerk reaction to it next time he brings it up. Um, but look, I appreciate you calling in. I yeah, thank you, thank you. Also, you're not in the queue, but I see you down in the chat uh, talking about how the Joseph Cerrone thing came up at the DSA, uh, Anya Marks, and I would love to know more. So either, you know, spill the tea in the chat or get in the queue so I can call on you because I, 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 I'm, I'm messy and I want to know more. Lysol, what's on your mind tonight? Lysol? Hello? Is it me you're looking for? Lysol. Did anybody, did everybody see Kerry Washington dress up as Lionel Richie for Halloween? It's pretty great. Lysol, I see you muting and unmuting, but I'm not hearing you. Muting and unmuting is not the way. Here's what Captain Planet has to say. No? Nothing? Okay, go back to the back. I'll bring you back up. We'll try again. We can do this. We can get through this, Lysol, I believe. Andrew, what is on your mind? Oh, dear. It's, an, it's a pandemic. It's a, it's a structural issue. Andrew, can you unmute yourself? You got to press a little, little unmute, little microphone button. It says unmute. Looks like a microphone. Alternatively, just look like an oval and a cup. An egg cup. Kind of corn cob adjacent. It's a suggestive icon more than a 
truly representative figure here. All right, well, that's enough talking to myself. Andrew, you too, go to the back if you want to try this again. I'm bringing up Anya to spill the tea on what was said in the DSA meeting. Tell us. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, cool. So uh, I don't want to take up too much time, so I'll just be quick. Um, so I basically, I went to a DSA meeting yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to be super, I don't want to like put anybody on blast. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. But um, it, you did come up in the, in the actual meeting, uh, your interview. Um, and basically there was kind of the, the people that did see your interview were really alarmed by somebody who has had such a, a, a ties to, uh, I think Plowshare was the mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people knew that, like, there's people like, oh, yeah, in the 80s and 90s, like, big in the disarmament movement. And I, I didn't know too much. They were, they were kind of telling me about it, which is why I go to these meetings, because mm-hmm. you meet interesting people yourself. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely this, uh, the, the, the speaker at the meeting had, had a, an association with that and kind of had to disassociate themselves with mm-hmm. uh, your guest, which I think was very, like, it, it's just, I got the impression talking to people and we, we uh, I talked to people after the meeting as well. And there was this vi- just huge, like, wait a minute, like, I, I felt like a lot of people felt like they were being gaslit about this conflict, right? And as soon as you said, hey, shouldn't the number one priority be ending the war, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he scoffed at it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that were just, regardless of sort of, where they were um because you know like dsa like there's the organizers who tend to be a little bit more sort of sympathetic to the national strategy and then the rank and file who are kind of just doing their own thing mm-hmm. and i have to tell you like amongst the people in the bar there's just a real sentiment of like hey we kind of need to do something and i was actually surprised because I'm, I'm far more i kind of consider myself far more left in that organization mm-hmm. but i'm just going to meetings because honestly like it's just kind of a really scary time. There's people yeah. like, and people are really feel like they need to do something. And there's definitely this, like a lot of people there were like, yeah, like we, we want to feel like we have some sort of involvement, but it feels like there's just a lot of aimlessness. And like there people want there to be in this anti-war movement, but there isn't. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. yeah, that was my perspective from it, but it was, I, I think that, that interview when people just listen to the clips on a human level, like when you're like, well, shouldn't we be I, that I'll put it like this. A lot of this, like st- Twitter isn't real life. Most mm. people in real life are not like anti-war is not a left or right position. It's honestly mm-hmm. people's in- reflex. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when like I was meeting with people like and talking to them, like it, like having that be validated, I think made people feel a lot better. But, um, but yeah, like, I, I think there's a very much like we, we can go be on the internet. There's a lot of trolls. There's a lot of people who are trying to manufacture consent. And even in spite of that, like most people don't, don't want this to, uh, to go to its natural conclusion. So anyways, yeah, um, I appreciate yeah. you, you, you wait, like saying, saying that, and this is what I was saying to the earlier caller about how it does feel to me like, like I would, I hope from these interviews that it opens up the door to this kind of com- these kind of conversations and it creates a bigger understanding of what we're contending with in the world. Cause sometimes people are like, Brianna, why do you interview the person who's more moderate? Like, why do you interview Matt Dust? Why do you interview, um, a non Like, why do you talk to people who are centrist or on the right 
or stuff like that. But like, if I had just interviewed Aaron, which obviously I have, but if I do just interview Aaron, the people who are already predisposed to not like what he has to say are going to say what they're going to say. If I interview the person who everyone thinks they agree with or are more aligned with, it, it can be revealing in these ways that I don't even necessarily, I can't even really anticipate or expect. It was like the, it was the same with the interview with, um, um, uh, sorry, God, my brain, the guy, uh, from the DNC, uh, Zogby, James Zogby. Yes. Uh, he was or, Jesse Jackson guy, right? Over exactly. Yeah. Or even, um, what's his face? Ash Kalra. Like sometimes these interviews, I don't start it the out. Councilman, like, LA councilman. Uh, exactly. Who, who gotcha, ended gotcha. Up shooting, like voting down, um, the state Medicare for all bill. It, and it's like, I don't go into a lot of these interviews thinking like, oh, I got them. <laughs> like I'm, I'm trying to like embarrass this person or anything like that. But these unexpected moments come out where we realize that the people we think are allies aren't really allies. You know, the, the, the concerns that have been raised by more radical parts of our movement are validated in these interesting ways that make the people who have been saying the more radical thing feel like not quite so radical. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I feel like it's useful and I feel like it's moving the conversation forward. And so I, I, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's a scary time, but it, I appreciate, like, it makes me feel, it feels productive to me that people are, you know, having the conversation that we should have been having from the beginning, which is like, what should the left position on this be? Like, and even today I had a follow-up interview with some folks about, about the Joe call and, and I'm much closer to where they are politically on this. But I put the question to them too, like, okay, well, we all, you, us three, we all agree on the U.S.'s involvement and the made on coup, and we all agree on that. That being said, now that we're giving this aid, do you think we should withdraw aid? Do we think we should tether the aid to some specific deadline? Like, what, what is the demand actually? Like, well, what I brought this the letter. Have said. Well, I brought this up at the meeting that like even the like sort of tepid like just the nothing that was the letter is just considered out of the pale and I think that also kind of contributed mm -hmm. to like I because I even I, I didn't know I kind of went to the working group that I thought would most have people who have my opinions but even that yeah I kind of couched it like even if you're even if you have the centrist position of send aid to Ukraine and stipulate it with that it can't just be used indiscriminately or blank check like that feels like honest like for my, me personally I'm not gonna even talk about that but Mm -hmm. um, but I will say, I, I want to take it out there because there's a lot of interesting people always that I, I want to hear from uh, myself when I listen to your call. But I do want to say that the thing that I brought up, I think, in like afterwards when like a bunch of us got drinks and stuff like that mm -hmm. was for me personally, this shows and one, I 100% I agree with you. I thought that that interview was one of your best. I think like it really showed when you're best at like sort of interrogating um like these sort of ideas that are considered just normal amongst mm -hmm. a lot of uh i'm sorry like insiders but i do think it's just so important that the left like foreign policy has to be the most important i think yeah. or like i i remember your article of like in defense of um litmus of test. test litmus mm -hmm. test yes um and me personally Brie, i always thought you were an amazing writer and great journalist so Thank just you. putting my that out there. Thinks, my mom <laughs> called me yesterday. She's like, Brianna, this internet shit is for the birds. She doesn't curse, but she's like, this internet <laughs> stuff is for the birds. I mean, you should start writing again. Screw these people. You need to be writing. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, and, and even I think using bad faith as, as uh, to, to do this interview, I think it was really important. Uh, but the thing I was going to say is that like, 
I do think that especially people who got into the Bernie left, and I'm, I was a fan of Bernie in 2016, but there was two things that kind of really diminished my uh, enthusiasm for 2020. Mm-hmm. And that was one, he didn't, I mean, it was frankly cowardly to not walk out with his movement when they walked out in protest. I thought that a leader mm-hmm. would back their people. Mm-hmm. I, that's not even a political thing. I just think that's a leadership thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is I've always been anti-war before I was a leftist, right? So for me, foreign policy is the, literally the first thing I look at. And if you don't pass my the, the smell test, and and I really feel like Bernie, and you look at the people like Matt Duss and his advisors around him, and yeah, Brie, when you when you put them on the record, the reason why I think there was such, like a smear campaign, it was a, I'm going to call it what it is, a smear campaign against you, mm. is because when these people are actually interrogated about their beliefs and you actually challenge them, they say things that are horrifying, like wanting to intervene in Haiti, right? Mm-hmm. And all this stuff. And I think that it's really telling that, I think that's why that was a great interview because you really like, he, he, he was mad at his own words. And I think mm-hmm. if, if that's the case, then you, that's, that's their problem. It's, it's more of a self-reflection issue, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, but I do yeah. think that the Bernie, the Bernie, like our, our skepticism towards elected officials has to be focused on foreign policy. And the reason why is honestly like America's fucking over. We're like, we've lost the cold war. China's going to win. It, it, that, it's done. Right. It's just yeah. how much damage is America going to do on its way out? On its way out, exactly. And I think that's why international solidarity mm-hmm. is important because honestly, our comrades across the world are winning. They're, they're winning the, this, this, uh, this war against American imperialism. Mm-hmm. And that's why the world is such a scary place, I think. If America felt comfortable at its spot, mm-hmm. I don't think we'd be living in this thing. So I do, I, I, I hope that was coherent. I was a little nervous my first time calling in, long time fan. But, uh, but so yeah, I'll take the rest off air. You're so great. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, thank you for you're great. Thank you. Keep the faith, my friend. You too. All right. Um, I think I'm going to come to Amanda. I'm just, oh, Lysol, I got to give you another shot. Wait a minute. Um, let's see if we can make, make this work, Lysol. Make sure I don't have to start singing again. Nobody wants that. Lysol, are you with me? Can you unmute? Right. We tried. We tried, Lysol. I'll try again in a couple of callers, okay? Amanda, what's on your mind? Hi, Bree. Wow. You have just really you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't try to get Dido to sing a Missy Elliott song. <laughs> and so you have sung your own song so well this week, and anybody telling you you should be responding differently is fucking wrong. Because you are, you have, you and your pack of 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 Brie Bros who have been helpful for you on Twitter. I, I mean, the, I think the second the second tweet I saw after the one where you retweeted his complaint and don't ever go on and he tagged you and all that Mm -hmm. was the one where you agreed about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) And I went, oh, oh, good. She's doing fine. (laughs) 
because yeah, I know been, it's hard. But I've been forged was... in the fires of Modor and Tai Eleven <laughs> and every other thing that's come my way. So I'm, I'm, I've got a pretty thick skin at this point. But it, and again, it is because of you and all of your guys' support that I'm able to weather these storms. So I, I can't, I can't speak enough in terms of appreciation for you all. Well, it's brilliant to to hear you, but also I wanted to let you know that um, Max Alvarez gave you a shout out during the Railroad Worker Solidarity Call that was hosted Aww. by Haymarket Books. Love um, me some Maximilian. And I, I I tweeted it, but I have like a stupid, I probably have a double digit followers. <laughs> I mean, I have nobody following me. But but um, For the first the first fifty are the hardest. That's like actually <laughs> true. Well, I'm not really trying to build it. I just you know if people see it, then that's. It. I feel like I at least did something. I know some people do see it, so and more people are. But the reason I bring this up is because, for people who are feeling very frustrated, the railroad workers, on that call. Somebody asked if if the rank and file had considered whether or not they would be willing to go out and go out on strike over something like Medicare for all, something for the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And the people on that call were not shaking their heads no. They were and, not shaking their heads no. But they correct. also weren't. They weren't. Ross, Ross. Ross Gruders, who uh-huh. you have just spoken to already, uh-huh. he's, yes, he's on board with having that discussion. The rest of them wouldn't commit verbally, but you could see there was nodding going on. Huh. And I don't know if you know this, but one of the 13 or 12 unions that the, that are in this whole railroad issue, one of them voted 87% to strike in September uh-huh. And their and their union leader told them they should hold off out of respect for the other unions, which were still dealing with figuring out how they were going to do the voting on the on the tentative agreement. Eighty seven percent. And the union president told them not to strike. Mm. And they didn't. Mm. But they are rank and file seem really ready. People who want to see the to the two hour call. It was a really good really good show with um, Ron Karnikow and um, and Max Alvarez, like I just been Ross, Ross Gruders and a couple mm-hmm. of other folks. It was, it was really good. You can see it at Haymarket Books YouTube, YouTube channel. Okay. I'll um, put that online. I'll get ready for bed. And, and it's, it's, it's quite good. But one of the reason I bring this up is because they, they are collecting if you go to railroadworkersunited.org, they are taking names of folks that want to be prepared in case there is a strike on November 19th. Go to railroadworkersunited.org. I'll put it in the chat. You can join up and be and in solidarity and you can get connected to people in your area. So in case there's a strike, we can all add our bodies to that those of us who can or to pick informational picket lines so railroadworkersunited.org and again i really appreciate you giving me the moment here i'm going to let omar come in but i just wanted to say thank you for doing what you do and doing it so beautifully 
Thank, thank you, Amanda. Thank you. I'm sorry. I was distracted. I was writing down to make sure I didn't lose the, your website, but you'll put it in the in the link. Yeah, and I just I'm added gonna... the the two hour video to my YouTube watch queue. I really appreciate you, Amanda. Yeah, sure. I appreciate right. you too. Hey, mutual admiration society. Keep the faith. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amen. Keep the faith. <laughs> All right, Omar. Every time I see you, I think, gosh, I'd love to talk to Giannis again. I got to I got to I got to reach, reach out again and see if I can put together another interview. How are you doing? Oh dear. Okay, I see you're unmuted. But I don't hear you. What's going on? What is going on? Hmm. What is going on? Okay, get back into the chat, Omar, and we'll try again. What's up, Sylvester? How are you doing? Well, I'll come back and try for you again, too, Andrew. I haven't forgotten about you. Oh, weird. See, Sylvester, you also look unmuted, but I can't hear you. What in the world? Can you try muting and unmuting? Someone's got to figure this out. Nope, I don't hear anything. Okay, Sylvester, get back in the queue. I'm going to try Andrew again. I'm just going to cycle through you three until I get it to work. All right, Andrew. Did any- Can you hear ah, me? Yes, perfect. Great. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for uh, your mercy there. I was waiting quite a while for that. <laughs> but if it wasn't yeah, going to work, I was just going to call it. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to. Really, I was going to say other things, but considering the time uh, about the NAFO people, it's just, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's ironic that these people are, what they're doing is actually contributing to further death of Ukrainians. And it's, uh, you know, it's a sick thing because they see it as like a football match type thing or mm-hmm. some kind of, I, I bet most of these people are not Ukrainians. And, uh, you know, it's they have the obedience of a dog, but not the intelligence or the good character. So that's all I'll say about them. <laughs> oh, I like that intro. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for um, a chuckle. Well, you know it's true. And uh, speaking of which, these dogs should be uh, put down because they're rabid. But Twitter won't do it. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing is, if this kind of targeted harassment was happening to a black person from a bunch of white people, I think that uh, in most cases, maybe Twitter would look at that and take it down. But it's just interesting how, you know, it coincides with the intercepts reporting about how these intelligence agencies have been basically briefing these companies. Have you mm-hmm. been waiting? Okay, mm-hmm. so you're aware of that. And yeah, we so covered to it me, on, um, uh, Ken Klippenstein came on the come on Rising to talk about it yesterday. I'll have to catch that. And uh, but it, it to me it intersects with the NAFO thing a little bit too, where th- this is kind of like just looked at as acceptable. There's cutouts for these people, and it's in the name of national interest, which is actually the point I wanted to talk to you about, the concept of national interest mm. and the way that this term is abused by people running for office and how the left should reclaim it. And it's not just people running for office. It's the security state and all these you know, deep state oligarch types that decide what the national interest actually is. But when a leftist litmus test should be, 
can you explain what the national interest is in Ukraine and what, what we're doing there? And they're not going to be able to. They're going to give you platitudes about freedom and democracy and a bunch of garbage. And they're not going to be able to tell you how this actually improves American lives. And when you bring up the ways that it actually hurts them economically or in any other way, they have nothing. And so it's not just the people advocating for our uh, involvement, I'll put it, in Ukraine that need to be able to answer this. It should be a litmus test for those who ostensibly want to back off on this. We should, they should be able to very clearly explain why it's in American national interest and make a positive case for us anti-war people, how it is actually in American interest to stop the aid. And I personally think that should be the goal is stop all military aid because there is no such thing as defensive military aid in the sense that everything that we give them can be used to launch an assault on Crimea. There's no such mm. thing as defensive aid in, in a war where they're going to explicitly have a goal of taking back territory that Russia sees as their own. Yeah, so this, this so I do think that there are people, and even Joe got to this point where he admitted that it was about like the maintaining the rule-based global order or whatever they use to basically say we're doing domino theory, like we're, we're, we're weakening Russia. We need to prevent Russia from taking over all the countries in Europe. He's a madman. He has an expansionist regime. You know, that, some people do eventually just get there and, and they admit that that's what their goal is. And, and for that reason, someone suggested this in the last column, and I'm, I'm like in the middle of drafting an email to her now to come on. But this economist, what's her name? Um, Clara Matai uh, at the New School. Or she's not an economist, but she... She has this book about um, how economists invented austerity and paved the way to fascism. And so, because I really do think it's important to do an episode about how, like, economic hegemony and how we've been fighting this war, mostly not through military means. Because that this is so much the story of Ukraine, it being offered this deal. I think Aaron explained this on an earlier episode or Colin or something. Maybe it was Max Blumenthal during that um, live stream we did. But about how Ukraine was basically offered, like, the, these two paths one kind of this EU austerity path and one this Russia path, which had its downsides but didn't have the same austerity hook. And there was an interest in going to the Russia path, and that's part of what provoked uh, the U.S. involvement in the coup. And, like, understanding how the economics of it all works, I think is crucial to be able to make a substantive argument about why the global order arguments aren't good. Because I do think a lot of people are invested in the idea that, well, if there has to be a top cop in the world, if there has to be a top dog, it should be America and not Russia. I wouldn't want to live in Russia. But what is that actually – like? Are, is that like a, a false choice? And I talked about it a little bit with my guest today for – which was a, an episode kind of responding to Joe. But I want to just get more into the weeds of this particular issue. So I, I'm, I'm completely with you. That's very good to hear, and I appreciate that. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll be quick, is that what we should be doing as we collective leftists, I think, is what the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire has been doing. And recently, uh, their candidate has been denied entry into the debates, even though he's on the ballot. So their supporters went to protest at the debate. And one of the protesters played a clip that uh, Don Bolduc, the GOP candidate, had from uh, going on Fox News saying how he – wants uh, the U.S. to go all in on Ukraine and interdict a convoy, meaning blow it up, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so his, you know, their supporters are standing there chanting USA, USA to cover it up. And he's playing his statement like 15 times through a microphone. And at the end of it, they're demoralized and they have to understand that this is what this guy stands for. They, And so the interesting thing I was going to mention is Don Boldick actually staged an incident, which everyone should be aware of, where he ran towards a protester and pretended to be hit by him. And it's caught on multiple angles that this guy who Boldick is, by the way, a brigadier, ex-brigadier general, one-star general, retired. So this behavior is disgusting and cowardly. Um, huh. but, uh, but he pretended to be hit by this guy, and this whole thing is a uh, debacle. He had the guy arrested immediately, had this cop sicked on him. And uh, it's it's without question that this guy didn't touch him. And, in fact, Boldick shoved his elbow into him and then pretended to be hurt and said, oh, this guy hit me. So this so is this- one guy. This article that I'm reading that says libertarian activist accused of approaching Don Boldick before debate causing disturbance faces charges. And Maggie has something entirely like it's he was attacked like Boldick. Yeah. Well, you can see the video and they're not going to show you that. They'll never show you the primary source. And that's something everyone should understand is that you need to go look at the primary source because there are videos out there. And I will leave links in the chat to videos Mm -hmm. of this incident. And Maggie Hassan, of course, the good Democrat, decided to also uh, (laughs) take this opportunity to panic about violence against candidates, right, and to condemn this guy who did nothing but uh, protest. And he actually didn't advance towards Bolduc. Bolduc ran at the guy. And then there's clear video from two angles. There's a camera in the protester's one hand and his other hand's behind his back. And then Boldick shoves his elbow into him and backs off, says, he's, oh, he hit me. So this, is whole, this whole thing is mm-hmm. going to be covered incorrectly. But you can see the video, and I'll leave it in the link. But this is the kind of thing, my point broadly, is that what leftists should be doing is what the LaRouche cult <laughs> did, mm-hmm. if they're a cult. Unfortunately, it takes a cult to uh, you know, take on a cult, apparently. Mm-hmm. But this is the kind of tactic we should have. And I think that it, you know, making it clear what these people have said about Ukraine, that they do want to keep the war going, and that's – you know, that is a pro-war position. There's no way around it. And, you know, play it to them 15 times while they're outside in a rally. That's a good protest. And, you know, someone might assault you and you'll make the news. Yeah, this guy, uh, it's so funny. I watched the clip and I was so confused because I couldn't even tell which one was supposed to be doing the assault. It's just because there's a guy that runs up to the group. That's fast. That's with the white sweatshirt on. That's Boldick. I thought Boldick was the it, one with his cat hat on. This older guy, like this young guy. Boldick's wearing a, I believe, a darker, like yeah. a blue suit. So the, but this, he... this camera shot that I see has a young guy running up from afar, but he's not the one. For some reason, the camera follows him over to Boldick and the guy with the microphone and like the glasses. That's where and the he's engagement just standing started. there in a, with a microphone. Like it doesn't. Like there's yeah, no there's project, another. Like nothing happens. There's another angle I'll drop in the chat where you can see Boldick in the, his suit run up to that guy and then engage in this thing. And you can mm-hmm. see from multiple angles, there's no touching of anything except for Boldick reaching his elbow out and then backing off and grabbing his arm and saying, he hit me to a cop right away to have this guy arrested. So just understand, this isn't just like a left-right thing, or it's not a left thing or a right thing. This is an anti-war thing. Anybody that you know, opposes this is going to be cracked down. And uh, we should appreciate the libertarians for their uh, efforts in this manner and try to replicate that success, in my opinion. Thank you yeah. for your time, by the way, Brie. I really appreciate Yeah, no, uh, I appreciate you calling here. in and being so patient through all the technical Oh, of course. Shenanigans. Hey, if you've used Colin enough, you are, uh, <laughs> you're used to it. So <laughs> thank you. Andrew. I'm just going to exit the app so I don't stay on. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for Bye. joining. Bye-bye. Okay, um, let's try Lysol again. Did we did we make it? Did we do it? 
Lysol. Nope. Okay. Um, Omar. Omar. Three. Yes. Okay. Oh, here we finally. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this app. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, um, so I've been meaning to tell you or suggest this for a while and I keep on forgetting. Uh, so before I forget, um, you should really consider upping or uh, creating more tiers on Patreon uh, because there are people who can afford to give you more than $10 and and I'd be willing to like up my uh, Patreon tier as well. Um, they're coming after you and they've taken down people from Patreon, like Lee Camp left, um, Whitney Webb. Uh, so there's an alternative that Lee Camp uses called Libera Pay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y.com. Uh, and then also Substack. Um, that's another, yeah. yeah. So like have redundant uh, like ways that people can, can support you because there's a bunch of us and, and some of us can give more than, than $10. Yeah. I was thinking actually that I should start, I need to start a $1 tier also. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cause there's a, I mean, you know, at this point it's that I want, it's nice to have people, you know, in the, in the like community that are kind of engaged with the community and who you can like, contact and like commune with and let know about new things that happen without it having to be what I know is like a significant lift for some folks. So yeah, I think that both of those things are a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you broaden kind of the, the spectrum uh, for different people in different economic situations, then like you'll, you'll get reach more people and you'll potentially, you know, build in a cushion financially for yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate you. Good, <laughs> good looking out, my friend. That's, yeah. that's a good suggestion. I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm and, sorry again for all the technical issues. Was there anything oh, else? Yeah. yeah, no. And I also, uh, I also see you on, um, on the Hill kind of pushing the envelope on Israel, Palestine, uh, not in not so subtle ways. So, I see you doing that, and and I really like it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you uh, for noticing. Did you see the disclaimer they uh, made Robbie read after my radar today? No. I, I'm going to go check it out. Yeah, I, my, my radar was on um, APAC getting involved in the Summer Lee race. Again, they tried to back her primary opponent, and when that didn't work and she won her primary, they're now donating to her Republican opponent in the general election. And AOC called it out, and she got smeared as anti-Semitic, blah, blah, blah. And so I did this radar, and at the end, um, they didn't they didn't tell me beforehand, but they, they put it in the prompter and told Robbie while I was reading my radar, I could see him nodding as they put it in his ear, uh, that they reached out to APAC for comment, and they said all the things that they were said, you know. <laughs> like, this is, you know, we've done nothing wrong. It's perfectly fine. Like, it's our right to lobby and support candidates that we think are strong for Israel, blah, 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 blah. If you, if you really want to push the envelope, uh, have you heard about the labor files? No, I don't no. think so. 
So the labor files is, I mean, it, Al Jazeera has done like maybe three of these uh, exposés on the Israel lobby. One that was focused on the uh, the UK um, and then one on the US, which got suppressed. And then recently the labor fall, fall, files that looked into how they uh, took down Jeremy Corbyn. Mm -hmm. uh, so that yeah i mean you can find youtube videos you can also go to al jazeera and labor spelled the british way um yeah okay anyway <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of tabs open from you guys today labor yeah files. okay i'm gonna add this to my list you guys have me reading i'll tell you what <laughs> okay all right thank yeah. you thanks take care take care omar thanks for your patience again all right, Lysol, we're going to go around this rodeo <laughs> one more time. Can you hear me? Yes, there it is. Yay! <laughs> All right, what's in your mind? <laughs> um, so I was talking to somebody about the, the CPC letter and stuff, and it, mm -hmm. it went back. I forget what episode it was, but something you said really resonated with me about uh, how, like, you wish that AOC had, instead of, changing her vote for Iron Dome, gone to the camera and be like, would you like to know what Nancy Pelosi just said to mm -hmm, me? Mm -hmm. And had just like kind of like the faith that the, the people would have her back and that would kind of force Nancy's hand instead of like trying to play it Nancy's way. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I think that if everyone did that, every time something like that happened, we'd be living in such a different world. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, <laughs> Bullworth's fucking super problematic. But like <laughs> Noah, the, I was just talking about Bullworth to the makeup artist the other day. Yeah, like for, forget the the fact that he's speaking in ebonics for the entire the entire thing. Like, just I mean, the fact that he was taking taking on the insurance companies, they were the bad guys. It was mm -hmm. like 1998, but it was just this kind of like I don't know. I've I feel like for all the talk of Americans being dumb, they do recognize the truth when they hear it. Mm -hmm. They just don't hear it very often. Mm -hmm. And that's like, you know, I keep coming back to John, you know, John Stewart, because he's basically like the Edward Murrow of our generation, I guess, mm -hmm. at this point. And just kind of like, yeah, I wish, you know, I, I feel like if somebody was like willing to be like out and loud consistently about climate change instantly gets like 90 percent of Gen Z's vote. Yeah. Like there's like a, there's a, a, um, a practical case to be made for it as, as well as an ideological one. I mean, everyone's pretty confident that no matter what, the young people aren't going to vote. And that's why, you know, folks are generally indifferent to appealing to them and their issues. And, you know, Bernie running the campaign he did and kind of actively appealing to young people more than most politicians and still not getting enough. I mean, he got the young vote, but he didn't grow the young vote, you know, in the way that he would have needed to do to win makes people feel like it's just not worth the investment. So I, I would be interested to see if someone could figure out how to get people not, you know, young people to actually turn out. Because, again, if they did, if, if young people voted at the same rates that seniors voted, it'd be I mean, can't they just a make wrap. it a challenge? The voting challenge. <laughs> Some, somebody Done. competently on TikTok getting it going. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that structurally the voting age should be lowered so that the first time you vote, you're in high school and your parents can take you and teach you how to do it. I'll be honest, the first time I vote, like I didn't vote, I didn't vote in college um, in, I guess it was 2004 because I, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> and like somebody was voting control. day and I wasn't registered and I was like, whoops, <laughs> you know, and when I was living at home, 
I guess four years later, because I was in, I was about to start law school. Um, I remember going, like I, my mom and I were driving to work in the morning and we went to the polls first and like, she made sure it was registered. I mean, that sounds pathetic. I was a grown, but you know, there's <laughs> something to having someone go through it, go, go with you for the first time. And if kids were just a little bit younger when they started, I think it would, it would go a long way. Yeah. I mean, it'll also be interesting to see, you know, to, to bring COVID back into this, just see how much the demographics have changed, especially since all the numbers you hear about what percentage of the people dying being Republican and definitely what percentage of the people dying being older, if that, if that's going to shift it at all. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, it's, it's a more, it's a bit of a morbid calculation. Um, it's not clear to me. I don't know. I, I do. The Democrats are finally figuring out how to talk about social security. I saw Obama do it. You know, they're trying, but it's just so late in the game. And the Republicans have not been hiding the ball about it. Eric Levitz, I did a radar on his article last week uh, where he did a wonderful rundown about their very explicit plans to cut Social Security and Medicare, like raise the ages to uh, 67 and 70, respectively. And it's just so insane that they've been doing this out in the open. And Dr. Oz, I just saw a commercial from him that ran during the Phillies game where he says he's going to, you know, they'd like to say they're going to protect Social Security which means they want to make it solvent by raising the age, you know, know? and they get away with this because who's going to challenge them? Not the Democrats. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I was also thinking um, since a a lot of, a lot of your stuff is kind of like, you know, the progressives versus the, the liberals and kind of the divide between that, or even just the divide between the progressives here, here in San Francisco, that is the entire game. You know, there's no there's no Republican to speak of. Our last election was literally Kamala Harris versus Pete Buttigieg. Mm. There was zero substance. Nobody talked about policy. It was just like, well, you're, you know, you're bigoted because you're not you won't vote for a gay man versus you're racist because you won't vote for a black woman. Mm. <laughs> well, they need to just get Laura Lightfoot in the mix and solve all the problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we have ranked choice voting, and actually, the year the the election before that in 2015, um, a couple of local activists and. Um, and a journalist named Brooke S. Stewart uh, ran on a uh, ranked choice voting kind of like awareness campaign. It's like vote one, two, three to replace Ed Lee. And uh, they ended up getting 37% of the vote between the three of them. Their, uh, their, their, uh, their dollar to, um, to vote ratio versus Ed Lee's was several orders of magnitude different. Fascinating. You know, we today ended up being kind of a weird third party day on the show because we had Matthew Ho and then also the head of the Libertarian Party, hmm. um, Angela. I forget her last name. I wasn't familiar with her. But Robbie had her on to talk about um, there's a Libertarian who just dropped out of the Arizona, I think, Senate race. Yeah. Yeah. Did they and, endorse they endorsed Carrie Lake? Yeah, they yeah. yeah. And Robbie was not happy with that choice. Um, and he he kind of was asking her you know as a as the head of the party like do you want your candidates to be succumbing to the spoiler effect and i asked her like the spoiler charge rather and i asked her whether the libertarians were focused on ranked choice voting in the way that the greens and and the the forward party are and she actually was like no like that's not our bag and it was it was it, it was interesting i don't know i didn't know what to make of it what's your take on carrie lake in general do you know what my hottest Carrie Lake take is? What? <laughs> is, I, is Carrie Lake black? 
What? So my friends and I in the chat, uh, in the black group, have been talking about this. I I see black vibes, and I can't get any information on her race, her background, her parents, or anything. She's huh. giving she's giving Vanessa Williams to me. She's giving <laughs> she's giving secretly black. She's giving passing to me. I could I'm, see with the hair if it's a wig. Yeah, totally. I, I just think I I I am getting. I'm it's serving AKA it's giving it's 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 giving it's giving black women to me and I think that's partly why my theory is that it's partly why she's so comfortable like like I was in her talk about race and if you if you pay attention she never uses racial identifiers for herself as she's navigating these subjects like where one might say and we and they like she doesn't include herself in the group so you can't tell if we is white people or we is, or they is black people. You know, it was like, I, I know this is so crazy. <laughs> I know this sounds so crazy, but you heard it here first. If it comes <laughs> out, Brianna Gray was the first one just to ask the question, <laughs> is Carrie Lake secretly black? <laughs> hey, RBN guys, in case you're listening to this. <laughs> somebody like, somebody please, do some research. <laughs> I mean... I have her second in my Trump replacement rankings, right under DeSantis and uh, way ahead of Josh Hawley. I feel like she's got the the fact that can, she can be like to whoever's interviewing, like, I was you. I, you know, I know that, you know, like it's it's a more coherent take on the media than you get from the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the party. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's she's good and nothing super damaging has come out of her. You know, I'm sure she's being put through the ringer because she's in such a high profile race and the fact that like, you know, she isn't throwing staplers at her employees and stuff. Mm. All right. I don't know. He's very smooth. Okay. I, I, I know I need to study up on all of the races because I have to do midterm coverage next uh, week. And I confess that I haven't been covering those Western races as closely. So I'll watch uh, some debates and some, uh, some stub footage, and I'll have a better answer for you next time other than speculating about her racial background. For sure. I got, I got one last thing. Are you an Adam fan? Am I a what? I'm sorry? Are you an Adam Curtis fan? Um, I'm familiar, you know, with his show, but I, I mean, yeah, I, I like, I, I can't really say fan because I don't watch with any regularity. Why? Well, no, no, he's a, he does documentaries. I don't think oh, he does. Oh, not the, who's the, who's the Adam, Adam Adam explains Adam something. Oh no, not that guy. Oh, okay, then no, no. no. <laughs> but I'm not yeah. an Adam Curtis fan. Oh, he's uh, he does a bunch. Of, he's done a bunch of stuff. He um, he has a documentary on Edward Bernays, the um, the was that the nephew of Freud, I think, the guy mm-hmm. the guy who started the using guy. yeah the guy who who invented um, women smoking cigarettes as liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, He had a documentary in 2016 called Hypernormalization. And uh, it's a, a phrase from um, a Russian book. I forget the author's name, but the title was Everything Was Forever Until It's No More. And basically the idea was like by like the 1980s, you know, the official line of what the USSR was saying was happening was just like so like demonstrably false, but you couldn't really comment on it, that there was this kind of like this obvious schism between the official narrative and reality. And that's where people like Donald Trump set up. Because you know, it's because it's you know, it's an easy punching bag. Anybody who's going to tote, you know, tout the party line, whether it's AOC or Mitch McConnell, like you know, the the, the best thing that Trump did was knock out Jeb Bush, 
you know, with one mm-hmm. punch. He's like, Jeb Bush is like, I, you know, my, I, I won the lottery when my, when I was born to my mom and Bush and uh, Trump is like, well, then she should run. <laughs> I was like, boom, no more Jeb Bush. He was done. <laughs> you know, watching him like take out Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, like that was incredibly entertaining and like felt like it had a purpose. And it was kind of like, you know, I, I mean, and Bernie didn't have it in him. He he couldn't have been that aggressive against his, his competitors and stuff, but I feel like he would have been rewarded for it similarly. Like well, somebody's against his good friend, uh, Joe Biden. Yeah. He wants to be friends with all those guys. And this is kind of like, I don't know, I guess the cafeteria at the Senate is super like, you know, you can't sit with us and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. We'll maybe we'll never find out what, what, what it was, if it was a temperamental thing or what, but maybe he got a call from Obama too. Maybe he did. I mean, surely he did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the call, surely there was a call. That one. I wonder if he called him first or last. Probably last. He was like, oh, look, I've already done all these things. They've been set in motion. You're done. What are you going to do about it? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, look, I appreciate you calling in live. So I'm going to try to get through a couple more people. We're already at three hours, and i got to say I'm a little I'm a little wiped. Yeah, um, for sure. Thank you for calling in and being patient with all of the tech stuff. Yeah, no worries. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Okay, Sylvester, can we do a quick little quick little thing and then I'm going to try to get to Adrian and Rika and get off of here within the next 20 minutes. Oh dear. Well, Sylvester, you're still caught up. You're still caught up in the, in the technical fray. Okay. I'll try you again after Adrian. Adrian, how are you this evening? <laughs> it's me. Um, Let me just say this. We have what people call community in this space. Now, I have been sitting in the shadows just like, it's my turn. No. It's my... (laughs) No. It's like double dutch. You're just trying to get in there and you don't know how. (laughs) You're just like, okay, I'm standing on the side, just bouncing around, but still not bouncing within the bus. So I was like, you know what? Yay, these people are finally going to get here. And Sylvester, we are rooting for you. We were all rooting for you, and we dare you to, and we hope that you were successful. Um, okay, let me get up, y'all. I was trying to sleep well in Gotham City. Let me look out the window. No, no bad sign, so I think we're pretty good. Um, so much to say, so little time. Let me see. I, um, I want to go back, back, back. I was listening a little bit earlier, but to be quite honest, I've been like listening in and dozing off and waking up. And I'm like, okay, cool. They haven't caught me yet. So <laughs> you, you, you were talking about earlier um, the Joe Biden piece where like he literally just got away with saying, you're not black if you don't vote for me. And when I tell you, it it blows my mind how... He was able to say that, and I was in spaces with um, surprise. I don't know if this is a surprise to anybody, but I'm black. Just look at the picture on there. But he literally was able to say that, get away with it, and there was no backlash. It wasn't even like, hey, this is not appropriate. We're still going to vote for you, but don't say things like that. It literally was like the same people who are like, the culture. Re, um, what is it? The remake of the Proud Family. We know what's right for Black people. We're like, no, 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 no. 
this is fine nothing to see here i mm-hmm. said you're going to allow this man to tell you what being black is i'm mm-hmm. so confused after all that he has done on the policy space and mm-hmm. and just i was just completely shocked and when i tell you it's like i i really like i watch you i watch some of the other uh independent media spaces and it's just like like breaking points and just watching you all reflect mm-hmm. on like what what is happening here like it is really something hard to wrap your mind around where it's like they're just making they they say these things they as in like you know the overall democratic party or just like yeah the democratic party they're just saying things that are just completely inappropriate but there's this dogma where it's like no you're inappropriate for thinking that what they said was inappropriate and i'm like no you cannot tell black people that they are not black if they don't vote for you. Well, apparently you can. <laughs> oh, you know, don't say that. You know, where's that Gotham Batman sign when you need it for real shit? It's out here for nonsense. Like, oh, kind of crazy. I mean, people were affirmatively defending him. Like, black people were throwing their bodies in front of the car saying, you know, I, I agree, you ain't black if you don't vote for Democrats. Like, it's the thing, same thing with Ice Cube and them. Like, like full on actual black people were 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 jumping like they in front of Biden like they they were his paid by bodyguard and saying no I agree that you ain't black and Joe Biden in fact is blacker than you and therefore qualified to tell you you ain't black and it's like literally the bus is just coming and they are throwing themselves you know like at the end of Mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the end of Mean Girl, she's like, "That is why you're such a so and so and so." And she gets hit by the bus, and then <laughs> at, right after it, um, Lindsay Lohan's caddy says something like, "And that's when I pushed her." People said that I pushed her. You would think that people are being pushed to this point where they're being hit by this bus, but they are literally like, "No, let me jump in front of it for you. Like, let me mm-hmm. save you the energy." No, slow down. If mm-hmm. that's what you want to do, then do that. And what's interesting is, like, as somebody who lives in Georgia, where that was a very close race, um, it ended up going in favor of the Democrats in the 2020 election. Like, okay, you know, I get it. But people got to realize, like, we can just say, we can say, we as in a general, we not necessarily specific to myself, but we can say, like, you know what? Putting aside that nonsense, I will cast a ballot for you, and that's it. You do not have to be defending these people nonstop. Like, it just makes no sense to me. I, When I talk with my friends um, and people in my life about politics, it's like they really sometimes it seems to be don't know what to make of me um, because I'm at a point I don't really care who you are, what your name is, did you do what I needed you to do? If the answer is yes, we have, we're cool. If the answer is no, then I have a problem. And it's like, I don't care about progressive next to your name at this point. I don't care about Democrat, et cetera. Are you doing what needs to be done to ensure that people have access to things? Like just basic Mm -hmm. things, especially in comparison to like some of these other countries in the world where it's like, they have these things too, healthcare, decent education policy, et cetera. And so- what I often find is that, like, we've talked about this in the past where I'm willing to say where I agree with you and and make it very clear and make it very known. And sometimes I don't really see that in in um, 
reciprocate it. But then also they're all, they're just like, well, you love AOC. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, when she's, when she's in Nancy Pelosi's office and she's protesting and she's really showing like we're going to engage in some adversarial politics, we're going to really make this thing work for us. We don't have to have all the power in the world, but we have what is the spectacle and we can lean into comms and really make a fuss about things and shame people into doing things. I was like, okay, like, okay, that sounds cool. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And now all of this going on, positive America is acting like the only problem is Republicans. Girl, please get up off the floor. Have you ever seen that video online where the girl, I'm horrible. Okay, the girl <laughs> says something, she's like, some of y'all weak in the knees. Stand up. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. Man, okay, and you're on Twitter, so it's crazy you haven't seen it, but she's literally just sitting in the car. This woman, I think, does some rapping, too. But she's like, um, she's like, some of y'all just always want to be in a relationship so bad. Some of y'all weak in the knees. Stand up. <laughs> Wait, that is familiar. I feel like I need the yes. visual. Yes, it's like, I think I want to say maybe like a light-skinned woman um, sitting in a car and just all you, and she has her head slightly turned and you could just feel she was disgusted at these people <laughs> who, who were just seated on the ground, laid out. I feel like she was talking to the Democrats who were just laying chalk outlines of their body and it's like, hey, we, air quote, want to do nice things, but here's all the reasons why they probably should be struck down by the courts. Oh, and guess what? We're not even going to pack the courts, even though we know it's a conservative leaning court. And we know that the American people would prefer to do these things. If you look at most of the polling, even when they're like, like on Rising and and even on Breaking Points and other spaces, they're like, when you say Americans agree with most of these progressive policies, it just is what it is. Then the follow up is always like, but when you ask the question, it's just like, okay, but they are so tired of that. It's like the the crime thing right now is making me insane. It's like, well, crime is a top issue to everybody. But when you ask people on the panel what their issues are, they don't care. And it's like, like people don't understand polls in humans. Like you have to figure out what people it's not just one of those like people tell you aren't able to assess their own interests. Something can be a very significant priority, but not the thing that is what's driving their votes. And just because mm-hmm. someone quote unquote cares about crime, that doesn't actually tell you about what they actually want from a politician. I care about crime. Nobody doesn't care about crime. Nobody wants to get walloped inside the head or have their things stolen. We're not we're not insane. <laughs> we have seen the effects of Joker in our Gotham cities. <laughs> we know. <laughs> like, but it mean, but when, when people mean, mean different things when you say about crime, but they never phrase the question that it's never like, oh, everyone's really concerned about crime. But if you ask the question this way, they actually love to fund the police. No, it's the 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 polls only get interrogated when the results of the polls are upsetting to the establishment. Suddenly it becomes, oh, they don't really like Medicare for all because if you ask them this way. It's never, oh, they don't really want more police because if you ask them this way, it turns out they actually want to fund. It's, it is bullshit. Like I, to me, I, sometimes I feel like I can't always put it into words, but I'm looking out at the political landscape, and it all makes sense. What the voters want all makes sense. It's like I'm seeing the numbers file by like I'm in the matrix. And I see people pulling, pulling out these random equations, and it's like, no, shut up. Like that's not – no. But there's no – there's no ability to like get your arms around all of it or communicate with enough people or like 
and, and it's just this bizarre experience of seeing seeing like everyone see a slice of it and that that sounds like so egomaniacal i don't i don't mean to see i sound like i'm you know neo or <laughs> whatever but it just seems sometimes like so obvious what needs to be done and it's just so angry making seeing none of these politicians do it and i'm not saying it's easy by the way like if aoc actually did the thing where she turned to the camera arrested development and style and said let me tell you what this beat nancy just said to me she would get walloped you know it would be devastating to her like she'd be seeing a lot worse than this nafo shit you know it, it would be very bad they're out here bringing in people's homes and beating them up with the hammers like it's a very crazy scary world and i like i get it it takes courage but it doesn't make it not yeah. disappointing when people don't stand up to yeah. the plate yeah and i just think to myself now that part about like actual personal safety is something where i'm like yeah i see where it comes from now on going in the opposite direction, not opposite direction, but looking at it from a lens of like, air quote, political safety. It's just like, I, I would think that like, I, it, seems, it seems to be that there's a lot of fear. Like if we cross this person, the establishment or the woman at this point, and like really go toe to toe and bring that heat, the way in which I kind of, I would think that Michaela Wilkes might have been engaged like I said mm -hmm. months ago. I was like, Michaela would have went in there and would have been like, no, I want Medicare for all. And let me tell y'all something, Nancy Pelosi's breath stunk and she got in my face and she told me this, this is mad. <laughs> like, I just would have got, I got those vibes from her and like, you know, we won't know, maybe yeah. she'll get in there the next round. But like, yeah, it just, it's strange to me. Like, nobody is like, you don't have to send Brianna the basket. You just don't have to do it. You don't have to send a thank you note. But you've been providing free counsel for everybody. And I just wish that they would take it. Use and leverage the comms. Oh, my gosh. When I tell you, I'm not a comms professional. I've never, uh, um, as you know, I work in education. But really starting out and, like, learning about politics through that Bernie movement in 2016. And then continuing to be engaged and to see like, oh, wow, come. Donald Trump was able to become president and say whatever and do whatever and nobody else would have lasted just for the simple fact that like his comms approach of, I said what I said, I don't really give a damn and it's actually, you're the one who doesn't get it. They, like, nobody has picked this up. People are so mealy-mouthed and wishy-washy and it's just like, you know, these people gas her up as like a young Latina woman and, and all of these different identity markers. And it's like, lean into that. Like little old me, young Latina Congresswoman being personally victimized and attacked by these people. And it's like, I'm just trying to give everybody healthcare. I'm not sure like exactly what the specifics are, but it just strikes me as odd that like, they have really not come together and really thought through a strategic communication, um, a, a communication strategy that would allow them to leverage okay the democratic party is saying that they want xyz but on paper it doesn't match that's where they messed up and we're going to exploit that to our fullest a, a advantage and it just is like they're just there taking that space so to go back to my point earlier i'm like i have these friends who will be like mm -hmm, yeah, yeah i saw your girl aoc and i'm just like oh bless you <laughs> you not your girl not my girl just i'm just here just observing and all of that stuff so it, it's it's been a mess you said you wanted to get to a couple other people so i'm gonna actually pass the baton and go okay to bed, but i did want to say mm -hmm. you continue to keep doing what you do 
Stay strong, Leo vibes. <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. Hell and being um, honest and all of that stuff. And you don't need to play that music tonight because I'm about to go to bed. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> Sylvester, Sylvester, you can do this. Go. You can do it. LOL. Thank you, Adrian. I'm going to try to go really quickly, guys. I'm sorry. I'm not only exhausted and have a flight tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm hearing the Phillies are rallying, and I this might be their last game, so I really need to um, watch. What's going on, Sylvester? Am I live? You are live. You made it through. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, that's wild. Okay, let me. I'm on the clock now. <laughs> let me go ahead and rush off. Um, I was listening to. Oh, I'll say this first off. I realized why uh, Cerise didn't want to come off of that episode mm-hmm. after the episode was because that's not her, like, main thing her thing if you want to talk about policing like deputy gangs that kind of thing Mm -hmm. that's her wheelhouse but then the election stuff john was perfect for that yeah Uh, john and and the other guests i think rachel that was her Mm -hmm. name Mm -hmm. rachel yeah they were perfect for that um so yeah if you ever want to do something about policing or whatever that you go to cerise for that um and then yeah and then i'll keep that in mind yeah before the, the thing i was gonna say last um you got a boyfriend now? Don't worry about it. Ah! Do you think, <laughs> let me ask you this, Sylvester. I was hoping that you would come up. What do you think about my theory that uh, Carrie Lake is black? Oh, you know what's funny? I When you were saying that, I looked her up, and I'm like, damn, I see it. And when see she, it, right? You when see you it, right? When you said that it was giving ski-wee, like, I'm like, yo, it definitely is giving ski-wee. <laughs> He's up there at those brunches. <laughs> See? <that>. Yeah. See? <laughs> but yeah, the the rate I think that she playing the racially ambiguous um thing yeah no i see it that's funny i never thought about it like that uh-huh. till you said that but uh-huh. you know she did say uh say that martin luther king would be part of the gop the maga you know she said it with her chest so that must be a black woman saying that the way that she said it <laughs> Or just an ignorant ass white lady. I don't know. <laughs> uh, a lot of confidence and bravado with it. Uh, but then, congrats. I'll start picking out, you know, some, uh, you know, wedding type of gift or something like that. Because you let it slip. That's how I know, like, oh, she really liked this nigga. Like, whoever it is, she really like him because she let it slip and then caught herself. So um i'll make sure to you know we get some gifts or something like that <laughs> okay Sylvester. Um, All right, maybe. and then uh finally finally before i go mm-hmm. um now again i don't never really get into the personal the one-on-one kind of stuff but i was listening to uh, and i love ole you know we got that nigerian background mm-hmm. um but then i was listening to the the, the hill when y'all had that little debate about crime and that the dude yeah. from the Institute, I wouldn't mm. even trust anybody from a thing called an Institute because it just sounds like you just indoctrinated in whatever. And then the Manhattan oh. Institute, it sounds like it really sounds like wild. Um, and he sounded wild. But then Robbie, okay, I'm not talking Robbie personally or uh, what they call him, Ryan Seacrest, like <laughs> lightweight Ryan Seacrest. Um, with Robbie, Robbie is around you and Ole. And y'all present the facts to him in terms of when it comes to, like, this crime stuff. And I would think, like, okay, if he has an opinion on it, and don't don't even just put it on Robbie, but people like Robbie with people like Ole and Breeze in their life, right? And you present this information to him, and you poke the holes in it, and you're like, yo, listen, we've been doing it this certain way this whole time. 
why are you doubling down still? Like, do you, I guess, understand where that mindset is coming from? Or does he just not believe what it is y'all are saying? Or people like him. Or people like him. Or whatever. It doesn't have to be necessary to him, but... I, I, so I was very frustrated by that guest, but I also think the reality is that you have to be prepared to talk to guests like him. And the, the reality is he had some facts and figures that couldn't be checked in the moment, but he was citing them very authoritatively. And I didn't, and Ole didn't. And so he just says things like, um, there is a correlation between more police funding and lower crime, which I know there isn't, but I don't, right. he says, well, the, Michael Johnson Flamingo the Stanford Institute blah 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 study uh, says it does and for yeah. every one dollar of crime of spending that you, you decrease one point six dollars of crime and I was like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> to decrease one point six dollars of crime like what does that even fucking mean but like I I look I can't say anything and honestly it's on us it's on us to have a better response to that than we did so I found the segment to be frustrating because the nature of the medium doesn't allow you to follow up in a way that is persuasive, even if you're right. If you just sound authoritative and can cite a bunch of things, you sound like you win. And, and that is what it is. Like, I think we lost that one, even though we were right. And sometimes that happens and we just have to learn from it. Okay. Okay. So then even more, more specifically, do you like, does Robbie does not believe y'all or believe what exactly? Cause like, look, he had statistics. We didn't like, I'm not going to sit here and, and be like, you should just magically believe what I say. No, we, but we y'all didn't make, had, we y'all didn't had make a strong no, argument. Y'all had, no, y'all had stats too. Y'all were like literally saying how like we've increased, like we spend the most police money on police in the world and y'all still aren't happy with it. Like we live in the world that you all want. And then it, their best response to it was, well, if we weren't doing what we were already doing, it would be that much worse. It's like, how, how can you even... You can't even really say that. Like, it just sounds like they're not even willing to believe anything else other than like, no, we have to do this or it's going to be worse. And then even when it doesn't work, that just means we need to spend more on it. So it's just like a never ending thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the good line of attack to keep up with is, okay, what percent of the city budget budget should go to police? You think police Mm -hmm. is going up? You think crime is going up? The police budget is already half the city budget. Okay, Mm -hmm. so should it be 60% of the budget? Should it be 80% of the budget? Should the entire city budget be policing? Like, you tell me, because this is your guys' plan, you know? Okay, all right, well, let me get off um, wishing you... Oh, God, we're going to lose this fucking game. No, 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 we're not, no, we're not. We're going to keep on pushing. We're going to keep on pushing. No, I mean the Phillies game. Oh, you... I'm thinking you talking about organizing and the world. You just like, nah, man, the Phillies. <laughs> the Phillies. <laughs> oh, we ain't listening. You're not the only one. America does a great job of distracting us, yo. They do a great job of distracting us with, you know, with sports and uh, commercials and. <laughs> <laughs> advertisements of clothes we want to buy and you know again this we're not gonna lose we're not gonna lose okay no we're uh, not gonna lose but these goddamn phillies they've been so magical all season and now we're gonna lose to the fucking astros with their tacky ass halloween outfits i can't you like baseball? i can't do this 
Uh-uh. Uh, I'm dating a Phillies fan. Hey. Happening. <laughs> I didn't want to assume because I didn't want to be that guy that's just like, yeah, no, no women only that's like sports. What's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening. Yo, I would tell y'all before I hop off, she really likes this guy because look how passionate she's talking. Man, I remember my ex used to talk. She used to talk about football like this with me. Now I'm she still a Pistons nothing. fan from my college boyfriend. That shit sticks. <laughs> Well, some these things, yeah. Some the vat, you know, some of the sayings that they used to say. You take some of that stuff with you, um, but yeah, no. I hope it works out. Wishing you love and happiness. <laughs> Thank you, Sylvester. I always like talking to you. Keep the faith <laughs> and keep an eye on Carrie Lake's edges. Oh my God! Stop, <laughs> <Stevie>. <laughs> All right, take care. All right, Rika, bring us home. I want to say that everyone who's left looks like a new caller. I don't think I've seen Blue or Cormac. I think I've seen Gilbert before. I haven't seen Mark before. And it's breaking my heart because I I like to I like to call on um first time callers. So I've screen grabbed you guys so I remember during the next call in to prioritize you. I won't go on a line, I'll jump around. So I know you've been waiting a long time. I just wanna recognize give that recognition. Rika. Long time to chat. What's on your mind? Whoa. Oh no, the app wants to take down Rika. Rika. Rika, it's top of the ninth and we're all rooting for you. No outs. We got that that kind of thick, thicky thighs picture. <laughs> All right, we'll try it again. Blue, the the fates have shined upon you. What's on your mind this evening? Bring us home. Can you hear me? I can. Hi. Um, Long time listener, first time caller. I love Um, that. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I've been listening to you since you were a guest on TMBS. uh, And uh, yeah, I... um, I watch you on the hill. I think you're great. Um, Thank you. You know, my, Michael was like, I think the second person to ever have me on a show after my first current affairs article. And I was so nervous. I was oh. so nervous. I think it was the fourth episode of his show. And looking back, I'm so grateful to have been part of the legacy, the early legacy of that show. I, and yeah. I, had, so, I had so much fun on there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I'm just, I'm glad I discovered you through that show as well, because you're one of my favorites. Um, But I uh, wanted to see, I wanted to bring it back to talking about housing a little bit, if I can. Mm, Um, Sure. You mentioned earlier, you and one of the other callers were talking about, you know, the supply side. And um, I firmly believe that even if we built more housing, um, that would not solve the issue because we have, you know, uh, private equity buying up the majority of the housing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like that won't stop um, even if we deregulate, build more. And I was actually going to recommend um, a guest. I don't know if um, if you've uh, reached out to him in the past. Uh, I know he's been on other programs. I think he was on Rising with Crystal and Sauger back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Aaron Glantz wrote a really good book called Homewreckers. Um and um, it's a it's a really good um, book about you know just that private equity sweeping in and ruining the U.S. housing market. Um, so I just would recommend. I think you would be a great person to ask him some questions, either on rising or on bad faith. Okay, Aaron Glantz, Homewreckers. 
Yeah. Thank you for the suggestion. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, yeah, we had a, we had a, we had, a, apparently we did a segment about the housing market that upset some special interest group and they wanted us to have their guest on and we had her on last mm. week and it was very unremarkable and she gave all these weird excuses for why it wasn't bad for private equity to be buying up houses. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird that. world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to get a guest like that in the mix. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, uh, the other one, I'm so sorry, I'll, um, I'll just say one more thing. I know other people are waiting, but um, another guest suggestion, um, I don't know if you've ever had him on, but I think he would be a great person for you to talk to as well as Brian Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah, you probably are familiar with him already, mm-hmm. but I just, yeah, I just think you would be so great to ask him questions. I, I will put that on the list as well. I, I have a sweatshirt. My mom bought a bunch of merch for, she was, went through this phase where she was like, we have too many things. I'm just going to, you know, your gift is going to be that I donated to whatever his thing is. And so I've got all these, like, uh, I've got a sweatshirt from whatever his group is. It's got this kind of lock chain logo on it mm-hmm. <laughs> and a t-shirt yeah. that says something like free, free, I don't know. I like to run in it. It's a nice fabric. <laughs> so I think about him actually <laughs> often because my mom got us this, this stuff as a Christmas gift in lieu of a gift, to, you know, that came with the donation stuff. Um, so I, that's, that is a good idea. That definitely okay. is a good idea. So thank you, Blue. Of course. Thank you so much for your time and keep up the good work. No, thank you for waiting, sticking around here to the end. Keep the faith. All right. Rika, are you going to be able to bring us home? Rika, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank the Lord. I, so I have to say, I just love when little bits of you like shine through like, and, and on the hill, like when homie was trying to spit, that was like stupid ass stats. And you're like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. What are you trying to say? Was I, was I crazy? I'm like, I'm sorry. Am I stupid? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand what that means. That sounds like I could be wrong, but I don't. It was crazy. It was crazy. Like what? I was like, whoever, no one, no one knows what that means. Like literally no one knows what that means. (laughs) But I just, I just love, I love like, I just love it when a little bit of you come through like that. Cause it was, no, it's, it's cool. No, no, no. It's not you. It's they're on base. No, they get them out. They get them out. Oh, good. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I panicked a little bit. I panicked a little bit because, look, there's a there's like the slimmest of chances we can pull this out in the bottom of the ninth, but not if they put more points on the board. I mean, Let me tell you, these these Phillies these Phillies infielders are so precise. Like they don't mess up. Like they they are they're like the Pistons, <laughs> and they're these scrappy underdogs that know how to execute a play in a clutch. Like they're not gonna fumble. They're not gonna fumble the bag. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's good. It's just that all that shit goes way over my head. I am baseball. I don't, I'm like, okay, cool. Philly, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I lived in, or near Detroit, so like Tigers. I went to a Tigers game, but like, that's about it. Okay. I mean, um, I mean, did you ever see a winning game? No, not that I can recall. I wasn't interested. Like, that's like me and the Mets. Like my, a couple boyfriends ago, uh, he was a big Mets fan. And I swear to God, I have never once been to a Mets game where they won. And we went to many Mets games. I don't know if I was bad luck, but not a single time did they win. 
wow. while I was in attendance. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I, again, I just don't, I have no, I, like, baseball, <laughs> too, it's just boring. I'm, like, surprised you're hanging in there, like, truly, truly. Like, I'm in San Diego, and everyone was, like, I was at the bar, and the whole Padres thing was happening, and mm-hmm. I, and, like, the whole city was going mad, and I, like, was just in the bar, I was, like, I'm so confused. I don't understand why people are so into this. This is the most boring sport I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I mean, it, it is. It's good. It's a good thing I'm realizing now to have in the background where you're doing something else because it couldn't yes. it couldn't grab my full attention. Last night I was accused of causing them to lose because I fell asleep during the game, and it, you know it was my lack of focus. <laughs> they could they could tell I wasn't engaged, and that's why they lost. So, well, um, <laughs> I want to second whoever in the chat said um, we need Boo on the pod because <laughs> that totally totally here for that. I'm also here. For this messy breeze speculating on Pete Carrie Lake's <laughs> fucking race, I died. I fucking died. I Googled her and I literally LOL. She you is can giving, see it. Listen, listen. She's giving like Madison Keys realness. Like, yes. 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 yes she's at absolutely. least as black as Halsey. Come on, yes. people. <laughs> you, you know how black people can look. I'm not inventing this. We are a diverse people, okay? Yes. We can look all yes. kinds of ways. She can be ambiguously Latina. That's that's what right, it is. Like, I got cousins yes, that look yes, that look yes. black that look whiter than yes. Carrie Lake. I, Carrie Lake isn't fooling me. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> Brie, I just all like all I was so I wanted to say point one, I want more of this. Like this <laughs> shit all day, every day. Even if you need like 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 go have some like like I don't know, um, Discord thing where you can do this shit or something like that and invite special <laughs> Patreon guests just to hear you talk. Imagine it and be silly wild with stuff. I love it. But I tried to convince my best friend from my Spody podcast. We were together last weekend and it's his birthday this weekend. So I'm going to Boston tomorrow. I tried to convince him to start a call in, a podcast, something back up with me. He seems to think that because I've been on this political trajectory, he doesn't feel like he's up to the task of having a podcast with me. And I was like, honey, I'm not trying to talk about politics with you. (laughs) (laughs) But no one wants more politics. I'm trying to kiki with my best friend on the pod. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would subscribe to that. I'm just saying there's an audience. (laughs) Um, The last thing I wanted to say was just, give you your flowers for the beautiful APAC. Um, like you just so beautifully demonstrated to the world how you can navigate those polemic conversations and topics that people don't want to touch around identity and still make meaningful critiques and lay out why this is so difficult for people to talk about. I just was like masterclass right here. Everybody watch it. This is what you got to do. It's that simple. And I, I loved it. Loved everything about it. Everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that Rika. Of course. You're, you're such you a, a you're such a ray of sunshine. I try. I try. You know, I'm living in San Diego now, and oh, I nice. think that might be having an effect. Yeah, I yeah. love San. Diego. I know it's like kind of conservative or whatever, but I had the best time in San Diego. I, you know, what's funny. People told me that right before I moved here because I would tell people I was living in Minneapolis, which is crazy. But like, it, there's all these like wonderful progressive circles and whatever communities there, and I would tell people I'm moving to San Diego, and they were like, "Are you for sure? Are you serious? Like mm-hmm. this real?" And I was like. I, I don't know, since I've been here, I'm like, what, just because the military people are here? Like, and yeah, there are some parts where I'm like, I don't want to go there, you know, mm-hmm. but it 
it's not that bad, truly. In fact, like, I, like, I, like conservative, like, what? They're all centrists, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just, it just didn't feel, it doesn't feel as, um, when people said conservative, I was thinking, like, a bastion of republicanism in California, you know? And that's mm-hmm. not, not it at all. Like, not at all. So... Yeah, it's just it, the weather's great. I found like it. I don't drive, but I still found getting around to be not that bad. Oh it was God, like this lifestyle fall. stuff with the paddle boarding and the riding the bikes up and down Brie, the boardwalk. I'm never leaving. And, I'm, this is it's paradise. There's, it's, there's yeah. the beaches are gorgeous. I the like yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> and, Sorry. So San, so, no, it's okay. San Diego ray of sunshine. Yes, that's that's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you're happy and living your best life and. To all of you, thank you for another terrific call-in. We really just did three hours and 38 minutes. I was doing the math in my head as we were talking, and we were in my 10th hour of talking on air today. About three and a half on Rising this morning. I did one two-hour interview and one one-hour interview for the podcast today, and now three and, a, three and a half hours with you. I'm going to lie down and not talk for a while, but it's been a real joy. Oh, you guys, I stay, I stay because I enjoy it. That's that's the God's honest truth. I stay because you guys are absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for all of your support this week. Take care of yourselves and keep the faith. Wish I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot in a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars, scats. Wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels Wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming scheme. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my.